Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. When they were in the, you know, sitting in the offseason, I think this was a year where John Mozeliak said, I want to give the young guys a shot. I think we can win because one of these young guys are going to hit. Bader didn't, he hasn't worked. O'Neill hasn't worked. Thomas, it hasn't worked. Pavel, I don't care who they put in. No one looks like uh, they're generating that young player excitement that the Cardinals have enjoyed in years past. There's always that one young position player that clicks. Hasn't happened. Last year was Tommy Edmond. He's been okay for the Cardinals, but there hasn't been that player that became the breakout. Whoa, where did Matt Carpenter come from? That was Greg Amsinger on the morning show earlier today. 101ESPN.com is where you find the full audio of that interview. Jamie, I think it is fair to say at this point the experiment has failed. It's failed. We were hopeful that maybe something could come of it. Tyler O'Neill had all the power potential in the world. Lane Thomas, they talked about it all last season once he went down. While well, we were really missing Lane Thomas. We were hopeful that maybe Harrison Bader could take that next spot. There was step. There were some indications that maybe that was coming. Maybe Matt Carpenter could have a bounce back. Maybe Millsy could be the power surge that this team needs. It's failed. In their last seven games, the Cardinals are two and five. In that stretch of seven games, they are batting as a team under 200. They have a 515 OPS as a team in those seven games. They have stolen, Jamie. This is something that really stood out to me. Just one base in those seven games. This is supposed to be a team that can run a little bit. They've got some speed. They're not stealing bases. They're not hitting for any power. Brad Miller, Tyler O'Neill, Matt Carpenter, the middle of your order, the heart of your order right now. Nine for 55 in these seven games with 21 strikeouts. It has failed. The offense is not good. And last night they get shut down by, you know, Stephen Brault. A 28-year-old who's been an average pitcher for the, the way majority you said of his that career. Is how the offense well, is he going. He won a game huh. this year. He's got if, scales right? on his arm. That, yeah. I actually don't mind that. I think he's a good swimmer, but not good. Is he obsessed with mermaids? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's part mermaid. Maybe he's turning into one. Ooh, that's probably why he only gave up two hits. You never know. Okay, so here's where I am on this, guys. And I said it yesterday, and maybe I didn't explain it the right way because sometimes what goes on in my brain doesn't necessarily come out the right way. It gets jumbled. But I said the Cardinals are going to have perfect are going to have to have perfect pitching if they want to succeed. And what I meant by that is if the pitchers don't throw shutouts every game, 
they're not going to win. Because look at yesterday's a clear indication. The pitchers have a couple of bleeps on the radar and they get down. There's no coming back. There's no offense that's going to save them. Two hits last night. I believe two hits the night before. Like, unless the pitchers are drop dead perfect, they don't give themselves a chance to win. The problem with the Cardinals, at least for the last couple of years, including this season, is they have offense that gives you a shot in the arm for a couple of weeks. That's what this year was. You got Brad Miller. Nobody expected that, but he gave it to you. You get Paul DeYoung or a Colton Wong or a Tommy Edmond. You don't have consistency from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And that is the biggest issue with the Cardinals. And I heard Danny say it on the crossover earlier this morning. They get production from guys, but it's not the production that you can learn something from. And you don't have 162 games this season, but 60 games plus what we've seen has been enough from this offense to say, okay, you get a, you're going to get a Brad Miller for this month. And then maybe you'll get a Matt Carpenter for a couple of months, or maybe a Tommy Edmond here. You don't have somebody who can take you from the beginning of the season, game one, the game number 62 that you can rely on every single day. I mean, we are now getting towards the end of the season. Sunday, we will be a week away from the end of the regular season for the Cardinals. And as of today, the Cardinals are 21st as a team in batting average. They are 12th in Major League Baseball and on-base percentage, and they are 26th in slugging percentage. The offense isn't good enough. It's just not. And we can go into next year and we can have these same conversations and we'll try to convince ourselves that the offense is going to be better until they add certainty, because that's what you're really talking about here, Ferrario. Certainty. Brad Miller can give you a week, two weeks of being really good. You can get a week, two weeks of Matt Carpenter finding himself again. You can get a week of at the beginning of the year, Tyler O'Neill carrying the offense. These things can be pieced together, but they're not going to last 60 games. And if they can't last 60 games, they sure as hell weren't going to yeah. make it over 162 so games. I found this interesting. Okay, a little tidbit I came across on the beautiful world of Twitter. Um, <laughs> that yesterday's outfield, O'Neill, Bader, and Ravello are all batting under 210. They have a combined 45 hits, combined 10 home runs, combined 29 RBIs, and 236 at-bats. Not very good, okay? Bad. Marcelo Zuna. Oh, I geez. know, I know. Back to this. But the, the, the Cardinals let him walk. Marcelo Zuna, 60 hits, 14 home runs, 44 RBIs, and 191 at-bats. 314 average. But I don't know if he's going to do I don't know if he's doing that in St. Louis. I really don't know if he's doing that here. I don't think he would do that. I don't think he would be the exact same player, but he would be better than what they're putting out there right now. Like it, it is inarguable that he would be better than what we have seen from whoever they're throwing out there in left field so far this year. But wouldn't you take that right now? Look at those yeah, numbers. Of course. Well, hell just, yeah, you would. Let's shave those numbers a little bit. Okay, let's say it's not quite as amazing. Still, comparatively, still the best. He would still be the best hitter from in the outfield. Well, that's why for me, after watching that last night and my guy Ravioli struggling, I don't know why you don't just go back to Dylan Carlson and say, you know what, kid? I know you struggled. You're young. We want you to be right. But we don't need you to be a savior right now because nobody's hitting. Just come up and hit. Yeah, come up and eighth. play. Like yes. Just put him towards the bottom of the order and let's see what you've got. Just play because would- we need something. He was playing good defense. Like he he did bring certain aspects to the game where you're like, okay, this is working out okay. All right for you. It 
The hitting wasn't there. We can all see that. We saw the numbers. It was a problem for the Cardinals whenever he was up to pl- up to the plate in a big time situation. That being said, none of them are hitting. Lane Thomas isn't hitting. Tyler O'Neill isn't hitting. Harrison Bader isn't hitting. Ravioli has gone into his pumpkin again. Like, it's just it's just well, not about that. Working. You've got a first baseman, right? That's what he's That's supposed to be. Yeah. And you're playing him in the outfield, just hoping that he'll catch something with the barrel of the bat. It's the equivalent of Matt Adams playing left field for you. He can get out, but he's not going to be your best defensive outfielder. Nice arm, though. Made a nice play in right field with his arm. I just wish outfield you, assist. Just, just wish took you, him an hour to get to yeah, I just wish you would have run to the ball a little bit faster. That's a lot of meat, though, on Ravioli trying to just hustle out there in the outfield. He's a first baseman. Yeah, I don't know if he's meant to do all that running. That was a loaded ravioli. The takeaway, it's toasted for sure. The takeaway from <laughs> all of this burnt. is that we can't go into next season with this many question marks again. We found our answers. We know the answers now. Tyler O'Neill's a fourth outfielder. Lane Thomas is a fourth outfielder. These guys that they were trying to get to be centerpieces, they're not that. You're fine with having them on the 25-man roster, but they cannot be counted upon to be starters for you going into next year. You've got to get some more certainty. I don't care who that is. If it's George Springer, Nolan Arenado, Francisco Lindor, go find somebody. Ozuna, he's on a one-year deal. <laughs> I don't think offer, that's going to be I the don't answer. think it's going to happen, but it, I know it's crazy to talk like that. But you didn't replace it with anything. You didn't offer it last season. Ozuna had 30 home runs, what, 90 RBIs a year before. Like, they replaced it with what? With what? But think about it. They replaced it with hope. And you know what? That's what what it was. Coach Drink said about hope, right? It's not a plan. We're not using that word hope. It's not in our vocabulary. Think about it, though. He's a better hitter in in Miami. He was a better hitter now in in Atlanta. I just don't know if he's going to be that guy in St. Louis. Even if he's half that guy. Right now, he's ahead by a lot. (laughs) Well, I mean, just look over the last few years, right? Every single one of the outfielders that they got rid of, basically, you would take over the current outfielders that they're throwing out there. Would you guys take Tommy Pham right now? That's not even a question. Yeah, that's Randall yeah. Gritchick. Not even a question. Steven Biscotti. You, you well, look, start these guys all in left field, then they'd be better than what they're throwing out well, there right now. I think right that's now. the biggest They're not point answers. Right there, is, like, doesn't I'm not matter building who you bring around up, them. It's yeah. that no matter who you talk about, it's Help. going to come in and bring, be better. Bring me back Randy Rosarena, and I'd be happy. Any Isn't he doing well right now? He is. He's okay. Yeah. Better than what we got right now. He's He's been well. better. Well, it's a low bar. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 11:14. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Mike Petriello, for my money, is one of the best baseball analysts in the business. I want to pick his brain on the Cardinals pitching and what they have received this season out of Adam Wainwright and whether or not he thinks that he should be in the Cy Young uh, conversation. We'll get to that with Mike Petriello and what has gone wrong for this offense at 12:30. Jim Montgomery, the new Blues assistant coach, will be joining the show. So he's going to join us coming up at 1230. But coming up next, we got to get to the other story from last night's game. Dakota Hudson leaving with an injury. What does it mean for the short and the long term? We'll answer all of that coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Life at the Rivers household is just a different place. It's a different kind of place. Gotta be a party. And sometimes there are just these random nights where Ferrario and I, it's like 9, 10, 11 o'clock. We'll get a text. 11, 12, 1 o'clock. 
Maybe two. <laughs> Potentially three. Sometimes we've got three. <laughs> it's all in play. <laughs> and once you see who it came from, and typically it is Jamie Rivers where it's coming from, you're not sure what it's going to be. And last night it was just empty bottles. Just empty bottles. <laughs> <laughs> just literally tipped over with no cap, empty bottles. Just, hey, boys, uh, the bottle just ran out. Going to have to go grab the vodka from the shelf. Yep. It's like, oh, okay, Jamie, that sounds like a good evening. It's Thursday. I'll see you tomorrow morning, man. And, uh, <laughs> Jamie, what did that lead to? Because you just told us a story off air that I would love to bring on air because I don't have children. Ferrario is close to becoming a father. Um, we are very excited for him, but he doesn't have this experience yet. I would imagine um, having a few beverages Couple. and then going into your kids' room and playing their video games would be quite <laughs> the evening on a random Thursday Before night. you tell the story, can I just read the text? Oh, God. Because this sets it up perfectly. I don't perfectly. remember what it is, so who so, knows? So I got I to gotta edit this a little bit mid Mid read. Is it bad that I've downed four bottles of wine and completely effed with my 17 year olds and their video game? Take it away. Okay, so uh, I don't know if it was four, felt like 100. But, anyways, um, yeah, I was just like, you know, wanted to go have some fun with the boys. And usually on a Thursday night, they got Friday, they can, you know, kind of sleepwalk through a Friday at school. <laughs> usually they're up playing video games and they're chatting with all their buddies. So I decided I'm going to go up there and, and join the fun. When I go up there, the Rivers boys are asleep. I'm like, these guys are no fun. So I'm like, I'm going to have some fun. So we fire up the video game and get on there. And I don't know, they play some Call of Duty, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds right. Called. So I join in the game as uh, one of my kids. Were you good? I don't even know. <laughs> one, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to move the guy. Apparently, I was shooting my own teammates. I don't know, but I... That's frowned upon. You're not yep. supposed to do yeah. that. Well, well, maybe he should be better. Maybe hide a little better, you know? Um, but I did chirp a lot, of, uh, a lot of kids online last night until one of my boys finally woke up and... Uh, was in shock and was not happy that I was ruining his ranking in the game. And I said uh, that I still, no matter how bad I was, I still better did it better than him. Okay. Yeah. And so then they ripped a controller out of my hand, and I think I went off pouty. That was my best. That was the best story I've heard from Ribs in, in like at least a day. <laughs> was that better than seeing the half-naked picture of him this morning to wake up to? You started that. That caught me off guard. Don't, don't, don't say it like that, Jamie. Your <laughs> 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 audience does, okay. audience does no, not yeah, know maybe the context. You started it by sending a picture of Christian McCaffrey. Yes, he's... To clarify yeah, here, you got nude Christian, Christian McCaffrey posed for GQ magazine. Yes. And I said, who did it better, Christian McCaffrey or Jamie Rivers? I was not then anticipating, expecting to see <laughs> a half-naked picture. Again, not for the first time of Jamie Rivers coming through the text I didn't right know that. that you did those poses. So I did. Awesome. I did. Yes, I can be bought. Yes. Yeah, you can. <laughs> He's Jamie Rivers. He is a lot of fun. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. So what wasn't a whole lot of fun was watching Dakota Hudson leave the game last night. Forearm tightness. Here's Mike Schiltz after the game talking about what happened with Dakota Hudson, how severe this could be when we could potentially see Dakota Hudson back. You know, at the moment, it's um, you know, been described as mild forearm strain. We'll get imaging tomorrow and clearly have a better idea. Um, I don't know what kind of timetable that even begins to look like, but initially, and hopefully that will remain to be the case, that he, um, nothing structural, but we'll get some imaging done tomorrow. And I'm really grateful for the communication. 
you know, it's an important part of, of what we're doing and how we're doing through this, all, all the schedule and, and guys have been very honest about how they feel. This is a really big loss for them. If he's oh. out for any sort of extended period of time, I'm just looking at this and listen, innings pitch is not the end all be all. Neither are wins. All of these things. I, I get that. But Adam Wainwright, first of all, this is another testament to what he has done this year. He's pitched 53 innings for the Cardinals. Second on the team is Dakota Hudson with 39. Third is Jack Flaherty with 29. They're just not getting the innings from their other guys the way that they have from Dakota Hudson and Adam Wainwright. It's why, in large part, we have talked so much about, okay, who are the three guys that you throw if you get into a three-game series in the wild card round? And Hudson, for all of us, was well, it feels like you kind of probably have to have him in there, right? Well, now he's probably not going to be available, maybe not going to be available. It's hard to know right now without having the results from this MRI. But if he has to miss any sort of extended period of time, guys, I just I, I think this is kind of the blow that you look at and you say to yourself, they needed to have 100 percent on their pitching. Their pitching had to be at full capacity once you get into the playoffs. If this team gets into the playoffs, I, I don't know that they are able to make any sort of noise without him. I, I don't think that they can. And it puts even more importance on a guy like Carlos Martinez to be able to come through in a bigger role. And I, I don't know how comfortable you are with that either. Well, I, listen, the microscope is going to be on Carlos Martinez, Daniel Ponce de Leon, for sure. Those guys, maybe even Austin Gomber now. Maybe yep. your boy Gomber starts to get into the conversation a little bit. But yeah, you know, I'm not all that confident right now. Like I'm looking at today's doubleheaders and Seamart's going first, right? Yep. What if he puts two and a half innings in? Now what? Like, this is, I'm very concerned. I just, I'm hoping he does better. I hope he can get into four or five, maybe six innings would be a miracle. But yeah, this is an opportunity for Carlos Martinez, who, you know, called his own shot and said, I want to be a starter. No, I don't want to be in your bullpen. Well, guess what, Carlos? Now is your chance to step up because we have an injury. We don't know how bad it is. And we need a guy that can give us innings because Dakota Hudson, second on the team and innings munched. So therefore, you've got to step up and give us some some good innings. And Daniel Ponce de Leon, you need him to kind of stay the course right now. I think he's doing pretty good. I've been really happy with his last couple of starts. Looked great in his last one. And so if he can do that, then maybe this lessens the blow a little bit. But if Carlos goes in there and blows up in the second or third inning again, they're in trouble. Well, and with Carlos, I was at least excited after his last start to where he looked better and went deeper into the game rather than what he did that first game against the Minnesota Twins. But but yeah, I mean, if Carlos doesn't give you innings, it messes everything up. It's the butterfly effect. Like, it affects everything else the rest of the way because then you're utilizing Ponce de Leon and then you don't have arms because Oviedo was sent back down, which I would imagine he's going to be coming back up yeah. now if this is a significant injury. But if you don't have pitching right now, you won't make the postseason because that's what's getting you into the postseason and we said all along, if you get to the postseason, then at least you're a little more comfortable because it's more routine than what it's been with these double headers. But I'm at least if you're looking for a glimmer of positivity in what happened, it is what Mike Shield said. Hudson was ahead of this and didn't try to pitch through this. Thank God. So maybe he lessened the blow of this and maybe you miss one start of Dakota Hudson and he's available closer to the postseason when you absolutely need him. That's the trouble, though, is like 
We're getting really close to the postseason. Well, what do you they know? have left for games now? It's, it's like, like 10. 10. Yeah, they're they 22 like... and 24 on the season. So do some quick math. Should have 14. They missed That's two, 46. so 12 games to go. And then you got they two got the... doubleheaders the rest of the way, including mm-hmm. tonight. And the possibility of two against the Tigers at the end, right? Right. Yeah. So it's there's not a whole lot of time remaining in the season to get him right. And that's part of the issue here is, okay, so let's say he needs a week. Well, a week, you have three days remaining in the season from now. And at that point, is he 100% built back up? Is he okay? It's just hard to know. And so it's a really significant blow to this rotation. If it's anything of significance for Dakota Hudson, they need that guy. So let's go back to Carlos Martinez and why he's so important today in this first game. Hudson only went two innings last night. It's more than just the injury. It's when it happened. It was early. He didn't give you the innings that you would normally expect from him. So Gomber, Webb, Elledge, Miller, Fernandez all through last night. Now you've got a bullpen that you've only got so many guys available in this first game today. Well, if Carlos gives you two, three innings, now you got to fill the back half of that game. And then while Ponce did look really good in his last appearance, his last start, He's been known to go three, four innings at a time, typically. So yeah. you don't feel so great about him going then? deep either. So what do they do then? Like if if for some reason now, like they, how many guys they go through yesterday? Five, six, yeah, five, five guys, right? So t- today is still like the next day, even though they're going to play two games. It's not like a, it's a couple of days rest. You're still on the next day. So if Carlos goes out and is not at his best and you got to go deep in your bullpen there, what do you have left for the second doubleheader? So you've got Cabrera that's still available. Helsley that's available. That's Woodford, if they don't use them. Reyes and Woodford. That's pretty much it among the guys but that it, did not pitch yesterday. Gant is apparently not ready yet. And so. a couple of those guys are guys who can give you innings at least. So if, I mean, look, if, if Carlos isn't at his best, you at least need him to get you to the third inning because at least two of those guys that, that BK just mentioned can get you through seven to where you have three guys for game number two. But uh, again, all of this resides on Carlos giving you, I mean, you you got to give him at least four innings before you destroy that bullpen. So if he's, if he's not on his game, if you're Mike Schilt, do you just go out to the mound and say, hey, Carlos... Sorry, man. You're just going to have to wear it. This is one of those that you got to wear. You got to wear it. it. Like yeah. you got to give me four or five innings. I don't care if they score thirty at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? They need it. it. This is the biggest start for Carlos Martinez in a long time. I mean, they, they have to get a quality start out of him. He has to go at least four innings. Four yeah. innings has to be the minimum that they get out of him today, and that maybe that's asking a lot, but. That's where they are because of this bullpen situation and because I, I don't know how much you can expect out of Ponce in that second game either in terms of innings. I think four I think four innings still hurts you in the long run. I think to be comfortable, you need five from That's Carlos. I I agree. Five. five is before you ruin your bullpen for these next couple of games. And then after that, I mean, you've got the, the second part of the doubleheader and then you come right back at it on Saturday. It's mm-hmm. it, And this is all against the Pirates. Like, Who's this coming back on to... Saturday? Is it KK? Yeah, KK is their KK. starter on Saturday. Can, so. Well, he's proven that he can pitch the innings he can get you deep and we talk about Carlos I think this puts a lot of focus on Flaherty too I mean if Flaherty is your ace which Wainwright is your ace this season but Flaherty is your ace overall if he's your ace he needs to be your ace because Mm -hmm. you need him more than ever right now to go out there and give you complete games like Wayno has been doing and they do get a 29th man for this doubleheader so they'll bring somebody up for this I I don't know who it will be though and that's that's part of the issue is I, I don't know who you bring up that you feel like they're going to give you a whole lot from that. I don't, I don't know if it's Oviedo. I don't think it can be because he's what, pitched two games ago. 
Okay. And you're already starting Ponce. And by yeah. the way, Ponce is on short rest today. He's not on his regular rest. So that's another thing that has to be thrown into this mix. It's Who's a positional guy that's pitched before? Jerko. <laughs> he's, he's not around He's anymore. not around. But the text line said maybe Tommy Edmond. Has he pitched before? Uh, Give it a shot. I, I, I mean, he's mean, done everything else, right? Wheaties. I feel like there. today is the day that they need to bring up Nagowski and let's see what he looks like as a oh, pitcher. Little Nog. Nog father coming back up. Let's see what he can do. I'd do it. I, they, they're going to have to do something. And it, again, this was this is against the Pirates. This was the series that they were supposed to take advantage of. The Pirates are the worst team in baseball, yeah. guys. Can you stop saying that, yeah, please, please? By the way, every time you said it. that... They have like absolutely just smashed that comment to pieces. We need to create like a nog signal, like the bat signal, like someone, you know, turn on the nog signal. We need them. The nog father. We need to create. uh, Well, we do have a dump button. Every time BK starts to tell us how bad somebody is, we're just going to dump it. Unless it's the Cardinals, in which case they will immediately become one of the best players in baseball. That will be a coach's decision at that point, whether we dump it or not. Let's start changing the segment ideas. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Bengals might have something pretty special in Joe Burrow and Bill Belichick gave praise to a player yesterday that wasn't on his team in a way that you almost never hear. We'll talk about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I'll never adjust or accept losing. That's just something that's not in my mindset. So this this on two starts really hurting me. I know it's hurting coach and everybody in there. The losing isn't very fun. You know, this might be the only time in my sporting career that I've lost two games in a row. Doesn't feel very good. The guys in there are hurting. We're gonna come back to work tomorrow and try to get this thing right. You know, losing is unacceptable to me, to everybody in there, to Coach Taylor, to to everybody in this organization. So we're just gonna have to get it fixed. I think I'm all in on Joe Burrow. Like all in, it's Joe Burrows, Ferrario, Burrows, Tinfoil. We're gonna have to talk about Cut that the mic. later. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Joe Burrow. Listen, I know the story was supposed to be the Browns, and we're supposed to tell you how great they looked last night. And Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You heard that in the update with Ferrario. They were both awesome last night. All right, we've got that out of the way. Let's talk about the Bengals for a minute because Joe Burrow. The numbers won't stand out to you. He was. He threw 61 pass attempts last night. Which is a lot. It's a ton. And finished with 300 yards. The yards per attempt, there, it's bad. No INTs, right? No INTs, three touchdowns in the game. He was really good. And his offensive line was doing everything they could to get him murdered back (laughs) there on every single pass attempt. Sometimes you watch a football game or you watch a baseball game, basketball, whatever. And you see a guy and you say to yourself, that guy has it. I don't know how to describe it, quote unquote, but he's got it. And Joe Burrow, for me last night, after watching him the last couple of weeks for in in week one, it was the touchdown run that he had. And this week, it was basically the entire game and especially those last couple of drives for the Bengals trying to keep them in it. I think that guy is going to be a star quicker than I expected him to be. I think he will be, too. I worry that they're going to break him. And what I mean by that is that they're not going to be able to provide enough protection quick enough for him, and he's going to take a pounding, and that, yeah, he's got that swagger right now, but what happens when they he's given you know 60 more attempts passing next week, and he gets four picks, and he gets run over 12 times and blitzed another 12 times, and he's talking out his ear hole. Like, where is he at seven or eight games down the road? 
That's where I worry about it. That's where some guys can lose the it factor is they simply start to get a little bit frazzled and going, wow, this is a lot right now. So I'm hoping that the Bengals can do something to protect him or maybe change this, the, the game plan a little bit to help him out. That's up to the general manager, too. Like you, you already have seen in two weeks that this guy has the franchise quarterback tag to him. You now go out and you fix that to make sure that he's protected. Like Deshaun Watson in Houston, as soon as they knew what they had, they went out there and they got a left tackle for him to make sure that they can and protect this failing, guy. But... It failed majorly, but at least they <laughs> tried something. I, I tell you this, though, because I agreed too, Rivs. Like I was watching it last night. Like this guy's going to get rocked. He's a tough kid, though, man. And I know that from college, but he got rocked by Miles Garrett, which caused that fumble. And then, of course, Cleveland scores on that. He went back out there and just was dropping dimes into the receiver's hands. Like, he doesn't get frazzled, man, which is interesting. one big hit like that, and he gets a concussion or something. He got hit eight times last night, and he was sacked three. guys. And And in terms of pressure. Turned on him. Yeah, he did. He had to get pressured no fewer than 25 times in that game. And I'm not not exaggerating. And to your point, Jamie, of you fear the possibility of him just kind of getting lost in all of this. I call that David Carr syndrome. David Carr was a hell of a prospect. Now, we think of him of what he did in the NFL, and he flamed out disastrously one of the worst busts that we've seen in the last two decades in the NFL but David Carr was a really good prospect he ended up having a horrible offensive lines in front of him for the first three four years of his career and it was just over it was never going to be corrected he saw ghosts in the pocket and it was never going to be able to get any better that's what you fear with Burrow that being said, as long as they're able to correct this in the offseason, you can't wait on this. This has to happen immediately. Whenever you get your first opportunity, add a tackle, add a guard, add a center, and let's go. Add anything you can to help this guy. Because yeah. he is he's special. He, he's got some traits where you watch it and you're like, okay, we've got something here. Burrow versus Lamar over the next few years could be really fun to watch in the AFC North. We've talked so much about Lamar and Watson and Mahomes. I think we're going to talk about Joe Burrow in that same conversation here pretty soon. Now, he's not there yet, but I think we're going to be talking about that here pretty soon. Now, you talked about quarterbacks last week. I think it was you and I when Ribs was out about kind of where he he ranks for you, and you said that he's not there yet. After these two games, does he shift up a little bit for you? I I think he's got to shift up. I wouldn't put him in like a top seven, eight. He's probably right around that 12 to 15 range for me. Does he jump over some of those older guys to do right? Like it's two starts. Let's not get carried away. But does he jump over some of those older guys? Not yet. No, not Not yet. yet. I I need to see it for longer than two weeks. But he's he's definitely in there. If you look at Philip Rivers, right, who is less than desirable on the weekend, but then you look at his body of work and you're like, eh, I'm going to give him maybe a couple more weeks. To I would take Burrow over Phil right now. Right now, yes. Yeah. 100%. Well, so would the rest of the league. Right. Think about it, right? I, I, I'm saying Actually, even for like one game, you know I would what? take I would take Burrow over, over Phil. But if you but then, well, hang on, that's a great actual conversation right now is you look at all the quarterbacks around the league. We talk about is he in your top seven, top eight, maybe he's in your top 12. If you could swap out your quarterback, no matter what team you are in the league yep. right now, man for man for Joe Burrow, what team there's probably what, three teams that wouldn't do it. Probably. So Lamar, the Ravens would not do that right now. Um, the Texans would not do it right now. I don't think the don't Chiefs take the contracts into consideration either. Let's right. just, you know sure. what I mean? Which, which quarterback would you rather have? I, I think there's four teams. 
I think, I think Seattle's the other one. I yeah, think Seattle any would, other team. I don't, I don't think Arizona would. I think Arizona would stick with I Kyler. I think them. he's perfect for that system. I, I think they would rather have him. But if you put Burroughs on, on uh, New Orleans, I did it again. I did it again. God, I need Imagine to avoid Burrow this. in New England? Oh, this is then, bad. Yeah, I don't want to. If you put, wow. him, if you put him in New Orleans, though. I, I think, New Orleans. I, I think too. that's a different team because he's protected. He's got weapons that can actually catch and he can the ball. Sling it. Would I, Dallas take him over oh, over Dak right I, now? I would. I, I would. I would. One hundred percent. I would. I think that's where the conversation starts. I think there's five where you're like, no, we definitely are not. I think the conversation starts at that sixth spot where it's like Dak wins that oh tier of quarterback. <laughs> that's not even a question. Don't even bring his name up. I can't even believe you mentioned that guy's name. Wentz doesn't deserve the ending <laughs> plural name like Burroughs does. I, I, oh, that's I went. I did want to mention one other thing here. Uh, Bill Belichick yesterday had some high praise for Russell Wilson. I want to play this for you because I've got a question about Russell Wilson after we're done listening to this. I think he's going to go down as one of the most fascinating quarterbacks of the last, I don't know, 50 years or so in the NFL. I'll explain why after this. Here's Bill Belichick. This guy's a tremendous player. Honestly, I think he's you know, in a way, maybe underrated by by the media or the fans. I don't know, but I mean, I don't, I don't really see anybody better than this player. He can do everything. He's got obviously great leadership, um, playmaking skills. Uh, he plays very well in the most critical situations in the game. With his decision making, uh, running, passing. Uh, his his passing numbers are extraordinary. Um, you put him up against anybody since he's been in the league. Literally anybody in almost any category or in any category really you know his winning percentage is impressive he's there for every game never missed a game i mean that is praise from bill belichick unlike any that you ever hear from him unless he's talking about a punter that he really loves from another team like he'll go he'll go that far on punters you rarely hear that kind of praise from him and it got me to thinking jamie Russell Wilson is a really interesting player to me because I don't think there's ever been a time in his career where the vast majority of football fans, football viewers would say Russell Wilson right now is the best quarterback in the NFL. Is it because he's in Seattle? In part, Like, yeah. if he played for the Cowboys, how much more popular would he be? But part of it is also the timing. Like, he just, he came into the league at the wrong time. When he got into the league, it was the back end of Peyton Manning's prime. And then you had uh, the Aaron Rodgers prime in there as well. After that, you get into Patrick Mahomes, and now you've got Lamar Jackson as well. Like, you've just got, at all times, there's been somebody that's reaching their peak. I think Russell Wilson at all times has been a top five quarterback in the league, but never number one. And it reminds me of Drew Brees. Stoltz always mentions this, and I think it's a really good point. Drew Brees, for basically the entirety of his career, has been a top five quarterback. But I don't know that there was ever a time where he was the number one guy in any individual season. And that's not to take anything away from him. He's still going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best that we've ever seen. Russ is very similar to that, where he's got the one ring. One of the lasting memories we're going to have of him is him throwing an interception when everybody thought they should have run at the goal line. Not his fault. And now, in part because of that, in part because of where he's at, absolutely, Jamie, and in part because of the timing of when these other quarterbacks were having their peaks we're probably not going to be remember his career as fondly as maybe we should because of all of those different factors that have gone into it yeah and maybe bill belichick saying that about this guy now will draw more attention to the player now you know i thought that was really quite admirable of bill to be that honest because a lot of times it's not that he's not honest but he just won't go there because he doesn't want to be dishonest Mm -hmm. but that was really that was honest bill right there 
And I don't know if there was any gamesmanship involved in that because they play them this weekend. Is he trying to let Russell Wilson feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm so good? Is he trying to tell his defense, oh, my gosh, you guys won't have a chance. I'm challenging you. I don't know. There's always something you think is deeper in there. But to me, that was just some honest praise from the best coach in the game and maybe the best coach ever in yep. the NFL. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 636. Is Russell Wilson a Hall of Famer? Huh. I, th- I think absolutely. Hell yeah. I, mean, yes. I, I think he could retire today. and He might not get in first ballot, but he's a Hall of Famer. Right, right there with Frank Gore. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 314. Guys, if the cards were to miss the playoffs, do you think that would alter what would otherwise be a quiet offseason for them? Um, well, one, it shouldn't be a quiet offseason anyways. I don't think the conversations we've all had, I don't think John Mosaylock doesn't realize it either, right? So I think that he's going to have to go find an outfielder that can be plopped somewhere in the middle of the order. He's going to have to do that. So what that encompasses, I don't know. Um, but you know what? Per the Cardinals' way, I, I don't think I see much more than that. I think they're going to try and, and make do with what they have after that. You might see one deal or one signing. That's why I look at it. I think the financial stranglehold is going to be very intriguing what happens. But if you're the Cardinals and you miss the playoffs, there's no excuse for you not to go out and make some type of deal. It's not going to be a signing. I, I love the idea of George Springer, but it's not going to happen with what he's going to get in the offseason by somebody. Come on, Come on Alex. You're going to see a little. You're going to see a chance tr- of getting Jerry Springer. Okay, I'm power through this, boys. You can <laughs> make a deal, and you will see, like Monty Hall. Let's make a deal. There's going to be some type of of trade by the Cardinals package to upgrade this team. That's going to be what happens. Three factors to consider. Money is definitely one of them. Another. What do they decide to do with the hitting coach? And does he become the fall guy as opposed to one of the players becoming the fall guy? Third thing to consider is how they look at the pandemic and how the the quarantine itself factored into all of these struggles offensively. Now, we can all laugh at those factors. We can all from the outside looking in say, well, that's not it. They don't have enough good dudes. The Boog Shambi quote from a few years ago, right? They, they need better dudes. Well, I believe that to be the case. I think the Cardinals need better players in the outfield. Do they believe that? Because they came into this season selling the heck out of the fact that they believed in Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader and Dexter Fowler as being good enough in the outfield. They believe that Dylan Dylan Carlson is going to be a really good player for them. So if they go into next season selling you on that, are you going to be willing to listen? I don't know. I would probably say no, but those are the factors to consider. Money, hitting coach, pandemic, and quarantine. How do they view all of those things? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 314. Hey, fellas, do you think that the Cardinals organization is turning into a used-to-be organization? (laughs) And what I mean by that is an organization like the Knicks, Cowboys, Lakers before LeBron was there, surviving off of tradition and fans and looking at how good they used to be as opposed to how good they are right now. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that 
Look at look at the infield for starters. Okay, they got a good infield. They got a great infield. Great infield. So we're real, what we're really debating here. If we put Dexter Fowler back in right field, who's a adequate player, you're really looking at a couple of outfielders. I think you're looking at one because I don't think Bader is out of the question I because agree. he uh, does bring an element. Yeah, I mean one bat, one hitter that's hitting around 200 isn't the end of the world because his defense fixes that. You're talking about one position, yeah. and it's it's a corner outfield spot who is a bat. That's the only thing you're talking about. Honestly, if they implement the DH again next year, you could even have a DH. Like, I, I'm fine with Dylan Carlson playing every day in left field and struggling a little bit out there if you have a stud in that DH spot. And I'm talking like J.D. Martinez type of a stud in the DH spot. It's got to be that good, but you can live with it that way. It's got to be third base, left field, or DH to me. That's that's the one spot that I think you're going to see. I don't, I don't even, as much as I would love to see Arenado or Lindor here, I don't even look at third base as an option to upgrade anymore because I like what Tommy Edmond brings to this I team. I booted a ball yesterday, though. Come oh. on. Tommy, one boot. He's he's got a couple errors here in the last week or so. I'm tough guy on that stuff. Don't you break down mentally now, Tommy? Don't you make a mistake. Last question from the six three six six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line, guys. What do you think is keeping the Cardinals from bringing up Dylan Carlson at this point? I don't know. I actually listen. Well, yeah, but uh, listen to start the season. You know, I had my thoughts on it. I thought he should have stayed down in the you know, off-site training area till for at least 30 games before they bring him up. You know, they ran into a couple situations where they had to bring him up. They gave him a shot. It didn't go as planned. But right now, guys, honestly, there's no downside to bringing him up. And who are we talking to the other day? I talked about, you know, the experience. Hey, Ricky Horton. Mm-hmm. We talked about the experience about being around the clubhouse in a playoff run, in, you know, a, the end of the season where every game is important. It's really, it's big stuff for a young guy to see and go through all that. And what the heck, to your point, who cares? Throw him out in left field right now really hitting worse than Lane Thomas or Tyler O'Neill. I know Thomas is gone, but when he was here, is he really hitting worse? Maybe a, a smidgen, but at least you got some at-bats coming for the guy. I don't know. To me, there's absolutely no downside in having Dylan Carlson here right now. I'm going off of a Cardinals point of view on this. The only thing that I think is is what's holding him back are the amount of at-bats he's had at the minor league level. Yeah, but those are gone now. Well, they are gone. Yeah, that's the thing. But I still think they view that as, well, he just didn't have enough reps down there. At Triple A, I'm here. saying Double A, he had it. Triple A, he just he had some, but but get him more up here then. Yeah, Even if look, he just does BP up here, look and at does how many extra work. Look at how many reps it took for O'Neill and Thomas before they got yeah, those the guys on Dylan Carlson. Like I, I think we know this now, right? Like those They're guys still taking those reps, Alex. <laughs> It, it, it took uh, again long... Cardinals perspective, not mine. That's fair. No, I heard you say. No, clearly. you didn't. You said this is my thought. Gosh, what has gone wrong with the Cardinals outfield this year? How good? Has uh, Adam Wainwright been for them so far this season? Mike Petriello is a baseball writer for MLB.com. He's an analyst for MLB Network. I think he's one of the best in the business. He's going to join us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Happy to go out to the Brown and Crippen Celebrity Line. Baseball writer. 
baseball writer for MLB.com and analyst for MLB Network, Mike Petriello, joining us here on the show. I apologize for laughing on the introduction, Mike. I've got two goofballs in this studio with me, and they were just dancing to the introduction music. Thanks so much for joining us today. How you doing, man? Mike Petriello will be joining us momentarily here on the show. It appears that we've lost him. Try to get him on he here. He heard just our a show second. before and he just hung up. That's it. <laughs> I need to explain to the audience what just happened because I sounded like an idiot there for a second who had no recollection of what was taking place. I'm I'm trying to introduce Mike Petriello, who is, in my opinion, one of the best baseball analysts in the business. And then these two knuckleheads are over here like doing the Matrix thing. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So let's go back out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Mike Petriello. Mike, how you doing today, man? Hey, guys, how are you? Happy to be here. Doing very well. So let's start out with what is the biggest question for the Cardinals coming into the season and has continued to be the thing that has been a struggle for them so far this year. It's the offense coming from the outfield. As we sit here today, Mike, what can we say about this outfield with any sort of certainty? Well, sometimes you can predict baseball a little bit, right? I mean, the Cardinals outfield uh, offense last year wasn't that great, and then they lost Ozuna and didn't bring anybody in. And the offense this year hasn't been that great. And I I guess a lot of it was sort of crossing those fingers and hoping that the outfield would get better. Uh, Harrison Bader has been better. I know he's hitting 207, but he's on bases up. He's been basically a league average hitter with that defense, which is fine. But as I hardly need to tell you guys, you know, Dylan Carlson didn't do much. And Tyler O'Neill hasn't done much. You know, even Fowler was pretty good when he played. So uh, it's not from the guys I would have expected. But overall, I mean, I think you're probably getting more or less what we kind of thought. I mean, I didn't think this was going to be a good offense, especially from the outfield. And it, it hasn't been. It's just been sort of, uh, you know, in different frequencies from different players than you would have thought. Now, Mike, the Cardinals have literally almost tried every single player out in the outfield. I mean, heck, we've had Tommy Edmond out there. We've had Ravello out in the outfield. And we certainly have had the rotation of the young guys. Dylan Carlson got a chance. Dexter, like you said, he's been he's been good. Dex has been their most consistent outfielder. I, we were just talking about this before we, we got you on the line was, you know, what is what is or is there any downside to bringing up Dylan Carlson at this point and getting him some at bats? Because I think the experiment of what you've had already this year, I think, you know what you have. And, and why not get the kids some reps? Yeah, I think one thing that's important to remember about Carlson is he didn't get a ton of playing time, right? He's got, what, 70 nine plate appearances, which in the grand scheme of baseball is is not that much. You know, they gave him a little bit of run at all three spots. Um, But I I agree with you. I mean, you can't expect much more from Bader, right? He's out there for his glove, obviously. Like, you're probably not going to want to roll into the playoffs with Ravello, or I think they started Justin Williams the other day. Uh, You you keep thinking that O'Neill is going to put it together, but he just hasn't yet. I agree with you. I, I think that is what I would do if I were running this team. So, Mike, as we go into the offseason, kind of focusing again on that outfield, are there guys available or who could become available that you think makes sense for the Cardinals to target? Um, That's a great question. I don't have the list of free agents in front of me. I know that George Springer is one of them, but he's going to be a a big-ticket guy. But I can tell you what you're going to see across free agency this year, and it's going to be a record amount of of non-tenders, right? You're going to see these veteran guys who are not stars, who are in arbitration, who are getting cut loose, because I think free agency is going to be a bloodbath this year. And what I would probably try to do if I were the Cardinals is dedicate, like, one spot to Dylan Carlson and just say, go for it, you know? get like a competent veteran guy who can be like a league average, you know, two or three win player and let him play every day. 
and see if that works. I mean, you, you aren't going to win if you don't get something out of the young guys and you're not going to win if you don't make some additions, right? And they're going to have to go out and try to do something to fix it this winter because as we saw last year, just standing pat by itself is not going to fix the problem. Mike, the Cardinals have had a couple of injuries of late to the pitching staff. Uh, and obviously with all the double headers and the games that are just sandwiched in because of their run with COVID, I mean, pitching has become really important to the St. Louis Cardinals, more important than it usually is. And at any point before this season started, did any of us predict that Adam Wainwright would be your number one pitcher? I mean, how incredible is this story? Yeah, you're not wrong about that. But I mean, Adam Wainwright is like three weeks older than I am, so I hope he pitches forever because that would just make me <laughs> Be a little better about myself. The, one, the thing I like about him is he, I guess if we look back, was always sort of ahead of his time, right? Like he has been throwing the curveball as that primary pitch for a couple of years now. It's like, what, 40% curveballs. And that is now what baseball is. You know, it's not so much establish your fastball and then work in the breaking stuff. It's if you have a really good pitch, even if it's a quote-unquote secondary pitch, uh, use it as your primary pitch. You know, and that's that's what he is. It's almost like the rest of the league is caught up with his example because I vividly remember what three four years ago thinking yeah it's it's probably about it's probably about it I don't know how much more time he's got left in him and if you look at what he's done this year he's really he's been fantastic you know I don't know if he's quite as good as the ERA shows but the uh, you know advanced metrics sort of back up he's been like average to slightly above average and at 39 years old that's really incredible we're talking to Mike Petriello, baseball writer for MLB.com and analyst for MLB Network here on 101 ESPN. Mike, I know none of the advanced numbers will support this this argument, and so I'm sure I, I, I probably already know where your take's going to be on it. But I looked into it yesterday, and Adam Wainwright currently ranks 11th among all 38 NL starters with at least 40 innings in ERA. He's ninth in batting average against. He's 7th in walks, hits, innings, pitch, whip, with a sub-1 whip so far on this season. And if you look even deeper than that just the context of his starts it feels like every time he has come up it's been a must win for the Cardinals and Wayno has come through with a massive start including whenever they came back from the pandemic the quarantine that they had and then he was the first one to get that start is there any argument for him to be in the conversation for the Cy Young award or at least the comeback player of the year this year in your opinion uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I love, I love the argument you're trying to make here, but the NL is just so stacked. I mean, Degrom and Darvish and Trevor Bauer and Aaron Nola and Max Fried. I mean, there's so many good starting pitchers. I, I, I could not reasonably put him in that conversation. Comeback Player of the Year, maybe. I mean, you got Will Myers out there doing well, so sure. But Cy Young, no. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I gave my best shot. I mean, you got to at least give me credit for that. <laughs> We're talking with Mike Petriello, baseball writer for MLB.com, analyst for uh, MLB Network as well. All right, Mike, so let's expand this conversation a little bit. You brought up the NL and how many great performances that we have seen so far this year. As you look at the National League as a whole, and here in St. Louis, we've kind of started wondering whether this team is going to make the playoffs or not, which seemed like a foregone conclusion as recently as about a week ago or so. What do you think their chances are at this point of being able to make this playoff field? I'm reasonably confident about them. And I think if you look at the teams ahead of them, the Phillies are sort of a mess right now, and not just because that bullpen is legitimately historically bad. 
it's because Arietta's hurt and Realmuto is hurt and Hoskins is hurt. And I'm not sure how much they're going to be able to drag this over the finish line here. And, and it's not like I'm really super confident in the Giants ahead of them either. The Cardinals, I guess you can argue about whether you think this is an advantage or a disadvantage, but they've got games in hand, right? That's obviously not easy. It's a lot of doubleheaders, including maybe one on the day after the season, but they've got opportunities. You know, they have more games that they can win than other teams do. So if I was guessing now, I think I'd probably pick them over the Phillies in that eighth spot, but they certainly haven't put themselves in a great position a week left in the season. If they were to get in, how would you feel about their chances of doing anything substantial once they get into the postseason? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I'm actually uh, doing some research on that now. So let's say they get in as the eighth seed and they would face the Dodgers, who would be the number one seed. And I think everybody can agree the Dodgers are the favorite in that series because they're probably the best team in baseball. But it's a three-game series. You know, I, I was looking at this over the last 10 years. And anytime there's been a three-game series between teams with a more than a, like a 10% gap in winning percentage, the better team wins about two-thirds of the time. And that sounds right. Like, it's not that unreasonable for a, a decent but not great team to go face a very good team in a three-game series and win two of those games. Like, is it that out of the question to see Wainwright show up and shove in game one and, you know, Flaherty pitch well? Like, it's not. I don't think they're going to the World Series, but I also don't think it's a guarantee they'd be bounced in the first round either. Last question that I've got for you, Mike, and in terms of the scheduling as well, with the three-game series for the wild card round and then the fact that they're going to have basically no off days, do you think that this gives an advantage to teams, frankly, like the Cardinals that have so much starting pitching depth, in your opinion? I think it has to. I mean, I think if you think about the way that the postseason has been structured in years past with all those extra days off, you know, teams rely heavily on just like four guys. Like I don't have the number in front of me, but I think last year the Nationals used Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer, just three guys, and they threw something like 60% of all the postseason innings, which is insane to me. And the way we're going to have it this year with no days off it's going to look a little more like regular season baseball, you know, so you're going to need that fourth starter, maybe even that fifth starter. And depending on how you want to rank the, the Cardinal starters, you know, if that fourth guy is Dakota Hudson, if he's healthy, I know he had an arm injury yesterday or, or, or Kim, uh, that's not so bad. You know, I think I'd feel decent about that. He is Mike Petriello. Find his work MLB.com where he's going to have that piece up. I would imagine here pretty soon. He's also an analyst that you can watch on MLB network. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mike underscore Petriello. Mike, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Thanks, Tess. You got it. That's Mike Petriello joining us here on 101 ESPN. I think that's the interesting thing about this format for the postseason to be, Jamie, is I, I don't feel great about the Cardinals right now. I don't know how anybody possibly could. But if they do get in, they're going to have a puncher's chance. He just told you 66% chance that teams like the Dodgers would beat teams like the Cardinals in the postseason. That means one out of three times the Cardinals win that series. So while it sounds like it's terrible odds, that's much better than what they would have in a seven-game series against a team like the Dodgers. The Dodgers right now, their biggest nightmare is ending up against the Cardinals. And the Cardinals specifically, in my opinion. And the reason being is Flaherty, is Wayno, and even KK. Right, Dakota Hudson, we're not Fingers sure. Fingers crossed, yeah. Fingers crossed, okay. But that's their biggest nightmare is getting into a team that is, you know, not the greatest team, maybe gets in just by the skin of their teeth, whatever it is, right? But then they have three studs that can come in and pitch. And if Flaherty comes in as a rock star and keeps them off the board and Goldschmidt has a big night or DeYoung has a big night, they find themselves down one nothing in the series. All the pressure now falls back onto the Dodgers. 
trust me, I've been in that situation before where you're on a team that's favored heavily and your biggest nightmare is a short series because anything can happen. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. Guys, you guys are fishing for any kind of positive from this guy towards the Cardinals. These questions are so funny. The Cardinals are mediocre, a little worse than mediocre, in fact. It is what it is. I actually think that's really interesting because the Cardinals are mediocre, but it's the way that they have found themselves mediocre, the way that they have got to that point, that is pretty interesting, not only for right now, but for the future as well and what it means for the offseason. Let's talk a little bit about that on the other side. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. So we got a text on the other side. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I found it to be interesting. Said you guys are fishing for any kind of positive, anything from this guy towards the Cardinals. These questions are so funny. The Cardinals are (laughs) mediocre, a little worse than mediocre. In fact, it is what it is. Here's why I find that interesting, because he's right. The Cardinals are a mediocre baseball team. I thought you meant us fishing for something positive. All of it is absolutely correct. I'm definitely looking for something (laughs) positive to talk about, because frankly, talking about the negatives all the time just gets really draining. Yep. That being said, there are actually a lot of positives about this baseball team. I know it's hard to see because the record is not what you want it to be. The play in terms of what they actually are scoring in terms of the runs is laughable at best right now. And it's hard to watch at times. I get all of that. That being said, just saw the new numbers today. They're the best baseball team or excuse me. They are the best defensive team in baseball so far this season. Their pitching is among the best in baseball this season. They have one thing that's a problem for them. Now, it's a big problem, but they have one thing that is a problem. And I really do believe they are one, maybe two bats away from solving that problem. So while they are mediocre, it's how they got to this point that I find really interesting, because if they go out this offseason and they are aggressive, that remains to be seen. But if they are aggressive in adding a big bat to this lineup, I actually think they can be a really good baseball team next year because they have all of the other ingredients of the really good teams across the league. Well, look, to to your point, we talked about it earlier. Look at the infield. That's a good infield. Like, yeah, are there players around the league that you could go get to maybe your upgrades? Yeah, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg and you have to sacrifice something else on your team or nothing else. You'll sacrifice a bunch financially. Right now, I like the Cardinals infield. I don't see any reason to change one piece of it, starting with Yachty to their pitching rotation to the bullpen to Goldschmidt, Wong, DeYoung, Edmund at third. I like him there. Okay. Now we dive deeper. We're okay with Dexy out in right field. He's going to start in right field every day next year. It's so it really comes down to two spots. And we've agreed that Bader, we're okay with Bader there if you have another bat in left field. So it comes down to, I think, the two spots, center field and left field. Can you find one guy for either internally, which hasn't happened yet, or do you go out and can you acquire one guy that can change that? I think that's how close the Cardinals are. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm still drunk from last night. I don't know. But I think that that's how close they are. Why not Fowler as a DH? That's fine. I, I think that's more of a role for him next year if that's – an option because then Carlson is an everyday player next year. And Petriello talked about that, how he's going to be in there and give him the at bats. Bader's your center fielder. Then right back at it. You're talking about a bat and your corner outfielder with Tyler O'Neill as your fourth outfielder. That sets up as a pretty damn good looking Cardinals team in terms of overall starters, batting order and bench, because let's be honest, their bench hasn't been great this year either. 
65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. Guys, what makes you think that the Cardinals will add for next season? They've already said that they aren't trying to add salary next year. Now, there's a report recently within the last 30 minutes or so that came out from Mark Saxon that I do think should be discussed while we are talking about what they're going to do in the offseason. Saxon has reported that the Cardinals are in the midst of a fairly extensive round of layoffs today. Should get more details when uh, John Moselock addresses the media later on this afternoon. He added that some furloughs and cuts began on Wednesday. Today, the rest will be announced. It's really hard for the Cardinals to go through a extensive period of layoffs right now. And then in the offseason, turn around and hand over hundred million dollars to somebody that's a it's a tough look what can they do it yeah this is pro sports and sometimes you just say uh, public perception be damned we're gonna go do this it's possible but when you have something like this happen teams are typically pretty cognizant of how does this look publicly if we do this now and then while those people are on furlough we then go out and trade for Nolan Arenado who has 200 million dollars still left on the books yeah i agree but i also look at it a little differently too and it doesn't mean it's the right way but i look at it differently saying that if i can improve my team maybe that generates more revenue for this team overall in the future and not only can we get those people back on the books but maybe then as a team we're healthier financially in five years type thing so it is uh it, darned if you do darned if you don't type yep. thing and yeah the public perception means a lot especially here in st louis the the cardinals fans are very aware of everything that goes on down at bush stadium so and by the way this sucks for the people like i i feel for the people right now within that organization that are getting furlough it sucks man this it's a rough time. We, we just saw it yesterday. It, it was announced that KMOV is letting go with two of their broadcasters, including Steve Savard, who is, I mean, an absolute legend here in St. Louis. Been and around a long time. I've done a lot of things with Steve over the years, and uh, it's just an awesome guy. It's hitting everybody. It's hitting everybody, especially in this industry right now, because advertising is just tough to come by. I mean, it, it, it's it's happening all over the place. So I get what the Cardinals are having to do. you got to cut costs. I understand it, even though I hate it. Um, but I will be interested to see what this means for their offseason moves, because in in a perfect world, in a typical scenario, this would be the offseason where you go get aggressive. This would be the offseason where you say, OK, we've got these three young pitchers. We have all of this depth, both in the major league level and in the minors. We believe that we can go get a big bat with these three pitchers. Do you do that this time around? And the other question is, I would not do this. I think Colton Wong needs to be back on this team next year. Do they want to keep him for twelve and a half million because they have a team option for for him next season? If they decide we're cutting costs at all, regardless of what it means, that's a guy that potentially could be on that chopping block, even though I Is think it would trade? be a bad decision. Is he someone you could trade? Potentially. Like yeah. I mean, look, his defense. Carlos is- as well. His defense is fantastic. And yeah, he's what, two forty batting averages here that but that's kind of who he is mm-hmm. at the plate. Um, could you, without going to spend a bunch of money, could you, you know, kind of dangle a Colton Wong out there and then Tommy Edmond ultimately moves over to second and then you're looking at other possibilities. That's the know. only thing that's hurting Colton Wong's chances of being back here next year is the fact that Tommy Edmond is, is a very good second baseman. And look, like it or not, you got Carpenter on this team next year and they could say, well, we got, we're paying these guys. We'll put Carpenter at third and Tommy Edmond is a great second baseman. We could put it there. So that's the one thing that will affect this team. And if you're going to do that, I, again, don't know if they're going to go out there and say, well, let's also go get a third baseman to pay him money. 
because they'll just shift Carpenter over to third base. It's a tough spot, man. It is. It's a really tough spot because of the financial aspect. If the, if this pandemic hadn't hit and they were able to have full fans in the stands, they were able to play the full 162 this year, I would get after them if they didn't go out and get a big, get a big bat this offseason. But because of the, the circumstances that they've been dealt, I don't know that they're going to be able to, even though in my heart of hearts, I really think they have a chance to compete at a high level next season if they were to do it. The circumstances just change things. It changes everything about this. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Jim Montgomery is the new Blues assistant coach. Jamie said yesterday, this is about as much as you can possibly improve by adding an assistant coach. The new assistant coach, Jim Montgomery, is going to join us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by the new Blues assistant coach. He was teammates with Jamie Rivers back in the 1993-94 season with the Blues. He is Jim Montgomery joining us here on 101 ESPN. Monty, how's it feel to be back in St. Louis, buddy? Well, as you know, uh, I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled for my family, my kids, and honored uh, to be part of the blue note again well look first of all congratulations it's a a great opportunity for you i think it's an incredible opportunity for the st louis blues and and for people who don't know monty started his nhl career here in st louis as a player and he's been in and out of the city for a long time so he's very very aware of how important the blues are in this community so monty on on that note uh, you know, how quickly did this happen for you guys with the discussions? Was it really fast or had it been in the works for a little bit? No, it was really fast. I mean, I'm, and you know, I was caught off guard uh, with a text message on Monday and I'm not this Monday, but the Monday prior and um, had a couple of uh, really good meetings with army and chief, uh, you know, uh, coach Bruby and um, then had a, final meeting with uh army and mr stillman and everybody was uh incredibly supportive um and and it's really important uh you know for someone who is uh, like myself in recovery it's important that you have people and to hear them all say that they want to be uh, an added layer of support uh system you know it, it's it's very touching and then also the fact that uh, they thought I was a good coach um, and uh, that uh, I could help the Blues. And I'm honored to be part of a great staff and uh, incredibly talented team and looking to help any way I can for the Blues to get regain that cup. Well, look, Monty, it's no secret, and I said it yesterday, you're a heck of a guy, a great guy, great locker room guy, and, you know, emerging as one of the best young coaches in the National Hockey League, and, yeah, you had a speed bump in Dallas, and, you know, just talk about that a little bit, going through that experience, uh, being a head coach in Dallas, and then having the tough time going through that with Jim Neal in Dallas, and having to leave that organization, and maybe where you're at now, and how you're feeling these days. Yeah, you know, um, the whole experience that day, December 10th, you know, um, has become a significant date in my life. It was um, a horrific day, uh, but also uh, it's come to be a blessing in the sense that I learned that I had a disease, that I had to change, that alcohol could no longer be part of my life. And because of that, 
um, I'm able uh, to be, in my opinion, I, I know I'm a better person, um, but I'm also uh, present all the time. Um, what I mean by present is I no longer have hangover days um, where I can be fully invested in my children and my wife and uh, friends and family um, all the time. And then also I'm going to be a better coach, I believe, because I'm just going to be always uh, present and being on top of my game. There's no, not going to be any more off days for me. We're talking to Jim Montgomery, the new Blues assistant coach here on 101 ESPN. Jim, I, I find it really interesting and honestly refreshing that you're so willing to talk about this openly because I know for me, just personally, my, my uncle dealt with alcoholism as well. And so I know you speaking out about this is going to help some people here in St. Louis as well. So if you don't mind me asking, you know, what what's this process been like for you over the last nine months? What, what's gone into it? What, what have been the things that have worked for you to be able to help? help you to get to where you are today yeah um, and I don't mind at all because uh, I had a very public firing and I think it's important people know why um, you know uh, everything happened and for me to be able to uh, talk about this is um, you know I guess for a lack of better words therapeutic Um, and if someone gets helped by this that's awesome I don't do this speak about this to be altruistic but it's healthy for me um, and the, the things that I've learned is I went and I found out what the science is and how the brain works. Um, and when you understand you have that brain, uh, the disease where, you know, the middle of your brain takes over your executive thought, you no longer have the ability to say, okay, I've had enough time to go to bed. Um, then you start to delve into, okay, well, I understand that part, but how do I stop you know, uh, having a craving of just want to have a beer with the boys. Um, and that takes a lot of soul searching inside yourself. It's, it's understanding a lot of parts about yourself. And then it takes uh, affecting change. And that change means, um, you know, different people, places and things. Not everybody in your life, but um, there's certain situations you just don't put yourself into anymore. Um, if I'm, I guess the best example is if I'm at a restaurant or bar at 11 o'clock at every night, I probably can go six months without doing it, but you're around it, you're eventually going to grab and have a beer. Um, so I'm just not going to put myself in that situation. I'm going to have really good nights out with couples that are family members and staff members, um, but I'm going to be the first one to leave. Now, I think one thing that goes into this is, especially here in St. Louis, and I've learned this through Jamie, of the incredible support system that there is here in St. Louis for the alumni in particular. Uh, What's it going to be like for you as as someone who did play for this organization and I'm sure has plenty of relationships with guys that are still here in St. Louis? What's it going to be like for you to have all of those people here in this community to be able to help you through this while also probably leaning on them as well for some of the coaching aspects? Well, that whole, what you just described is why my wife and I thought the best thing for our family, you know, uh, she's St. Louis born and bred and people in St. Louis love coming back to St. Louis. So it was easy for my wife to want to come back. Um, and for me also, I, I spent my off seasons here when I was a player, cause I love the city. I love the people. And the alumni group was, was a part that coming back here, I started skating with Jamie and the other alums and the other guys that are 
involved in hockey in the area um, that are part of the alumni group too. Uh, instantly, you're in a locker room, you have a bunch of friends again, and it just—it's good mental health. Uh, all of a sudden, you're you're talking hockey, you're you're ragging on each other, you're laughing, and you're doing it while you're. Uh, before you get dressed, while you're on the ice, and after um, when you all of a sudden have too many roles uh, that never used to be there when Jamie and I played. (laughs) You know, but uh, that is part of the city of St. Louis, what makes it special. We moved back here um, to live and because we thought this is a great place for everybody to prosper in our family. Well, Monty, St. Louis loves a comeback story, too. You know that. They love the blue-collar guys. They love a comeback story. So it's great to have you back involved in the NHL, specifically with the Blues. Now, let's do a little introduction to our, our listeners now, okay? Because they know you as Big Bad Monty, who coached that big, mean Dallas Stars team against us. And I want to introduce you a little bit to them and, you know, tell them maybe some of your coaching philosophies. What are some of the things that you do that you think, you know, think differentiate you from other guys i know that you're a very uh, hockey forward thinking guy you're part of the modern game and i think that's you know that's really going to play well here with this blues team well uh one i i I think the game and i've always thought it this way is nobody likes playing defense but you have to be good at that so you don't play defense for a long time so i believe in pressuring the puck and uh, when we have the puck, I believe, where does the other team let you give you open ice? Is it behind them? Is it in front of them? Do we stretch them out? Um, you know, as long as you have the puck on your own tape, nothing bad can happen. Uh, so what I love about this opportunity to work with Chief and Otter and Van Ryn and everybody involved with the Blues is they believe in a puck possession game. So it was very easy for me to come here and believe in everything they do uh, because I saw it beat us. Uh, they wore it down with their puck possession game and ran away with game seven, despite it being double overtime. If it wasn't for a local kid named Ben Bishop, who's a great goaltender, uh, it would have been probably a five-goal game. Uh, but, you know, so for coming here to work under Chief, it's going to be very easy to, uh, you know, support and be a part of everything he's doing because of the puck possession game. Now, in your discussions with Chiefs so far, and I know it's it's early, but has he outlined anything specific that he'd like to see from you or given you a certain you know, aspect of the team that you're going to be in charge of or certainly helping with? Well, you know, it's, it's, we, we've talked uh, in generality, so there's no specific uh, part that I can say this is for sure going to be my part. Like, I know everybody assumes uh, because I'm replacing Savvy, who did a wonderful job as the power play coach, that I might be taking over power play. But uh, that might happen, but it, it, nothing's definitive. It was seems like a good discussion. fit, though, Monty. I mean, I remember those silky mitts back in the day. It seems like a pretty good fit to me. Uh, well, I, I, I've run a lot of power plays before, but um, what I loved is, and Rhino and Otter have said it too, is, we all get in a room, and it doesn't matter um, who's in charge of power play penalty goal or what. Anyone has a great idea, bring it to the table, and it doesn't matter whose idea it is. Let's use what's going to give the players the best chance of success. And that's what got me really excited is that Chief is like we're in it all together. 
Jim, I wanted to ask you as a little bit of a follow-up to that, and maybe you guys haven't even discussed this yet, and if not, tell, tell me as much, but uh, do you know where you're going to be during game days? Because this is a heck of a coaching staff now that's basically putting together an all-star crew. Uh, do you feel like you're going to be behind the bench with them? Do you do you have any issues with being up with the eye in the sky? Where do you think that you'll plan to be during the games this upcoming season? Well, Chief asked me that question, you know, and um because he, he says we're very comfortable with the three of us working. He goes, I, I said, Chief, I want to come and help any way I can. You want me upstairs? I'm upstairs. Uh, the head coach has to be comfortable. And and he's one of the elite head coaches in the NHL. So I'm going to do whatever, and we're going to talk that stuff over. But I imagine I start upstairs as the eye in the sky and um, do exactly what Savvy was doing during games to help Otter, Rhino, and them have success during the game running the bench. Monty, we're all thrilled about the the hiring for you and for the team, but I have to say this, that there's one guy who's really not happy about it, and his name is Joey Vitale. He was kind of mad that he's losing his associate coach uh, with the Kirkwood Squirt team. Um, Anything to say about that? Have you found a replacement for yourself with Kirkwood yet? Well, one, we, 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 we all know that uh, January 1 uh, would be the beginning. So uh, Joey stuck with me and Barrett Jackman and uh, the staff there, Tom Kyman, uh, you know, uh, Matt Rubis and, Matt and uh, Nick Karcher. They're not getting, I told you, you guys aren't getting rid of me yet. All right. I just, I love coaching too much. I want to teach these 11 and 9 year olds as long as I can. Well, Monty, I'll tell you what, we're thrilled to have you here in St. Louis. I'm pumped to have you back in the city and part of the alumni as well at the same time. Honestly, buddy, I think it's an amazing fit for both you and the club, and I'm really pulling for you, and we want nothing but the best for you, buddy. So thank you so much for for coming on here today, and uh, we'll see you soon, man. Hey, Ribs, thanks, man. And I can't wait for us to sauce back and forth on blue and put great to shame here. Absolutely. The dish and magician. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) See you, guys. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That's Jim Montgomery, new Blues assistant coach here on 101 ESPN. He was teammates with Jamie back in the 93-94 season for the St. Louis Blues. I don't know how you can hear that interview and not be rooting like hell for that guy. He's an um, awesome guy, man. Like, you, we just got to scratch the surface, right? Monty's the kind of guy that the longer you spend with him, the more you like him. You know, like some people, like, the longer you're around him, you're like, okay, I need a little bit of a break us. here. Like, kind of like Friday is perfect <laughs> for us. We get a break. <laughs> but, no, Monty's amazing. He was awesome as a young guy. He was always a great locker room guy. An incredible hockey player, by the way. Go back and Google him in NCAA hockey. One of the greatest players to ever play. He was line mates with Paul Correa at the University of Maine. It was disgusting, the numbers they put up. And he's certainly one of the greatest young coaches in the game right now. So this is a home run, man. It's a home run. You know why I think people are going to, well, people are going to love him because he's a former blue, but he said something at the end there about that squirt team at Kirkwood. Just he says, I love coaching yeah. and I want to still t- coach these 9 and 11-year-olds. This is a guy that people are going to fall in love with immediately like they did with Steve Ott and like what they did with Craig Baruby. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 573. I kept waiting for BK to call him Monty <laughs> from the 636. BK, you've got to call him Monty. I am not falling into my old ways, friends. <laughs> I Were will you like not very aware, though? 
As you were doing it? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean, was I aware? I kept calling him Monty on purpose. I wanted to see if he'd start the nibble. I was hoping he would, too. <laughs> I, I wrote down on the rundown very specifically Jim Montgomery, and then afterwards Montgomery reaction because I wanted to make sure I did not slip and say Monty at any point in time during the segment. I had this this drop ready as soon as he was going to say it. I had it ready. So good for you, BK. I did well there. You did. I'm proud of you. Some other people in the world have done less well. The junk drawer is coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Can I interest you in a few interesting flavors? Interest you in interesting yeah, flavors. Peculiar flavors. Ooh. So uh-huh. if you go to the Disgusting Food Museum, which I was unaware is a thing out in Sweden. That's what I call my bathroom. Continue right along here. Those little mints they have in the urinals. Guess what? They taste terrible. No, those are those are cakes. I'd be curious if like, you guys are bad, cupcakes. would try any of these. Gin that is brewed with ants. Gin? Gin. G-I-N. Do you have to eat the ants, too? Like that tequila worm? I've drank gin, and I've eaten ants. Have you? Yeah. You've eaten an ant before. You get the chocolate-covered ant? How do you get rid of ants at people's houses when you're doing pest control, guys? I would imagine not by eating them. Free protein. Damn right. I've heard that they are high in protein. There's a lot of good protein things Uh, out there. Poop wine. Whoa. This feels like it's got Jamie's name written all over it. What is it? Poop wine. That has an OBJ right there endorsement. I'll tell you that Is much. Is there corn in the wine? Oh. Nope, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Could be, uh, yeah, that'd be good, though. Uh, whale testicle beer flavored with Ooh. the smoked dung of Icelandic sheep. Dung? Dung. Oh, D- I D-U-N-G. I thought that was dung. Good. Dung. Yeah, I don't. Okay, I, I have a question. <laughs> Simple question, too. I have one. Mm-hmm. Why? Because according to their website, um, what is delicious to one person can be revolting to another. The Disgusting Food Museum invites visitors to explore the world of food and challenge their notions of what is and what is not edible. Okay, I've heard of one man's garbage is another man's gold. I don't think that applies to, I don't know, tasting poop-flavored wine. Yeah, the poop-flavored wine I'm out on. And, like, the whale testicles? I try it. But what are we pulling out of there? I try it. I don't know. And is it like the worm in the tequila? Is it sitting at Do the bottom? Do you have to eat the whale testicle? Yeah, that's. It's, it's I feel just like, like I'd need a big glass. How big are whale testicles? That's another question. I would imagine large. Probably the size of us. Wow. Like, like us humans. Oh, okay, good. Um, Just wanted to make sure. Speaking of that poop wine, by the way, uh, the rice wine was once used as a medicinal remedy in South Korea. It is brewed with fermented human fermented human feces. Quote, mm. The thought alone is enough to get most people to gag. Unsurprisingly, this so-called poop wine smells horribly bad during the production. Oh, I can't imagine why. I do people are people actually going to this place? And if so, why? I don't know. What is the appeal of this? I just don't understand. Well, I'll tell you what, it it's it stinks, first of all, and it uh, also stinks as much as my topic here today. And Carol Baskin. Carol oh gosh, she's Baskin. Baskin. Isn't she, she on Dancing with the Stars? She is on Dancing with the Stars. And oddly enough, what has happened a few times is during the commercial breaks, they've run an ad 
and they've run an ad seeking to find out clues of the whereabouts of Carol Baskin's husband. Love it. And so Carol Baskin now has decided she's going to jump on board and she's out there looking for clues. Oh, come on. Uh, to what happened to her, to Don. Her husband, whose name was Don. What happened to him and where he's at. And if anybody has any news to contact a hotline, which, by the way, so if you're out there listening right now and you know of something that would help Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. You need to text your clues, your tips to 646-450-6530. Because, you know, Carol's distraught right now. She's on Dancing <laughs> with the Stars, can barely handle the thought that she can't find her ex-husband. We'll get to that on the other side. I want to direct to this really quickly, though. Um, I've seen enough CSI shows, Jamie, to know that when somebody inserts themselves into the investigation, that means (laughs) that they are the guilty party. Well, OJ's still looking for the killer. Good thing OJ's on it. Maybe she should have OJ help OJ's innocent, though. The glove didn't fit. (laughs) Well, maybe Carol should try the glove too with jamie rivers and alex frario i'm brandon kylie we do have some breaking news we'll tell you who the cardinals are bringing up and why i'm excited about it that's coming up next on 101 espn we're back to the ribs and bk podcast on 101 espn We have some breaking news from the St. Louis Cardinals. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. According to the St. Louis Cardinals team site, they have recalled Dylan Carlson coming back up to the big leagues. They have optioned Max Schrock down to the alternate training site, which is according to the Cardinals shutting down over the weekend. Daniel Ponce de Leon, as we had already known, will serve as the 29th man for today's doubleheader. He will start the second game for the Cardinals. But the big news here. Dylan Carlson back up with the big league club after most of their outfielders have struggled for the vast majority of the time since he was sent down. I know we talked about it at the top of the show, uh, but this just makes sense. Why wouldn't you? You know, like uh, there's no downside. If the outfielders right now are tearing the cover off the ball and they're putting up runs left and right, heck, I'd still bring him up just for the experience alone of being around the guys during these situations. And right now, I don't think there's a downside to sliding him in the lineup. Let this kid play and let him find a groove. Let him see some at-bats. Heck, they're playing Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, you're going I mean, up against you a love terrible Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. You think they're amazing, so get him in there. I, I don't know. I, I love this move. I'm so happy that it's it's going on, and I know he's not the savior and all this stuff, but as you look at next year, the year after, the year after, these at-bats will be pivotal to his development, at least in my opinion. I agree with you completely. Um, and I also think that along with what you just said, this this goes to what John Mosellock said whenever they sent him down. We got to give these guys the opportunity. They wanted to see what Lane Thomas and Austin Dean and Tyler O'Neill, all these guys, they wanted to see what they could bring to the table. We have now seen what they bring to the table, and it hasn't been good enough. And so if you're John Mosellock, you you could honestly go to those guys and say, listen, we gave you an opportunity and you guys struggled mightily with that opportunity. And now we're going to bring back Dylan Carlson and he's going to get his shot. If he fails, 
then so be it. But at least we're going to find out what he can do this season. Um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I'm very happy to see that they're going to go about this. And here we got a text uh, from the 314, which, by the way, if you have any comments or questions, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. They doubled down on this one, too, so you know the serious. <laughs> now they place the weight of a team on a prospect rather than just a ma- just, just major league talent. No, they don't. No, they don't. Okay, because if I'm Mike Schilt, I have a set schedule for my outfielders, and I have an outfielders meeting, and I say, here's what we're doing. Hey, Dylan, you're going to play tonight, and then the second game of the doubleheader here, and then this game here, and O'Neal, you've got this game. Just like they do a lot of times with young goaltenders in hockey, you set the start so that it's not necessarily a performance-based thing to where Dylan Carlson comes in and feels like he's got to rip a home run every game to save the team. No, you're getting your start no matter what. You're going to play this game. No matter what, you won't play this game, and you will play this game. That way there, you control the expectations of that player and his emotions. That's the way you do it. And there's no pressure put on Dylan Carlson from the team to say, hey, you're going to come up here and be our savior offensively. Everyone's got a hit. It's not just Carlson. The only pressure that's going to be put on him is if Carlson puts that on him. And I think that's why they sent him back down because he was putting too much pressure on himself in those big situations with the amount of bases loaded situations. He yeah, had got to be overwhelming. Go down to the minors and just work Somebody with guys, that, by the way, that's, <laughs> go back down and just work with the guys. Take BP's approach, get your mental focus back and go back up here and work at it again. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how this one goes about the second time around. So Dylan Carlson's final game up with the big league club was on September 5th. September 5th was his final game here in St. Louis. In the 13 days since, here is what a few of the outfielders have done. Tyler O'Neill in 40 at-bats is batting 175. He has struck out 12 times in those 40 at-bats. Uh, Lane Thomas is batting 111 in 18 at-bats. He has two hits in those 18 at-bats, including just one extra base hit. The outfielders have just not given you what you were hoping for. And so when that happens, when you've got Tyler O'Neill batting 175 since he was sit da- sitting down, Lane Thomas batting 111 and not playing well in the outfield in terms of his def- defense, watching Dylan Carlson bat 162, Well, whatever. It's a wash. It's the same as what we were getting in terms of production from these other guys when we were sending them out there. And Dylan Carlson's a better defender. So why not? Let's see what he can do. This was the floor. What we saw from Dylan Carlson, I don't think we're going to see anything worse from him this time around than what we saw from him last time around. So if you went down, got his mind a little bit right, got his got his mind cleared and was able to kind of refresh himself because Mo said he was kind of fried by the time that he had gotten sent down. Well, then maybe we'll see a better version of him. And instead of batting 162 with basically no power, maybe he bats 250 this time around. And given what they've had from their outfielders since he was sitting down, that's a massive upgrade because none of them are batting over 225 since he was sitting down. No, and we do have a follow-up text from the 314 saying, yeah, nice thought, but that would eliminate the riding the hot bat theory. Well, you don't have to eliminate it. I mean, Mike Schilt is the manager, and if he decides to call in an audible 
you know, call in a Cindy Gruden in the middle of a doubleheader, <laughs> then you know, he, he's allowed to do that. If Dylan Carlson gets up there, goes two for four, or has some great at-bats, maybe hits a dinger, he just walks over to O'Neill or one of the other guys and says, hey, guys, listen, I know it's your spot to, to go today, but we're going to ride out Dylan here. I think he's doing well. He's swinging the bat well. It's my decision. You don't like it? Well, take your uniform off. Play better. Yeah. You don't That's like the answer. You don't tough. like it? Play better. You, you had your opportunity. You had two weeks to be able to do something, and they didn't. They, they weren't able to do anything yeah, offensively. So now they with have those to guys. do whatever they're told. There's no like, oh, you didn't give me my shot. No, we did. And so now full control goes to Mike Schilt. I think this is more. Mike goes on this time. I think this is more of a telling sign. It's Friday. You can tell with Ferrario. <laughs> yeah. uh, we need to keep it off so I make sure I'm listening and know what the topic <laughs> is before I talk. I think this is more of a telling sign, too, that the Cardinals are done with. The Lane Thomas experiment and the yeah. Justin Williams experiment. Williams didn't get that much, but no, they, all, really they really weren't even on the page of Justin Williams should get starts. I think that was just, hey, this is a bridge the gap until Carlson. But I think this is more of a telling sign of, hey, we're done with this Lane Thomas experiment. We're done with the Williams experiment. We're done with the Ravello experiment. It's time to put an outfielder in the outfield and see what he's got. Yeah, and I don't know necessarily if they're done. Sorry, BK. I don't necessarily know if they're done with those guys, but they're done for now, right now. And those guys will have to go work on their game because they're look. Lane Thomas is still a young guy. He has a lot of runway ahead of him here. And a lot of guys figure out the game as they go on. But for right now, right now, they're done with that experiment. Let's get into the Dylan Carlson experiment. Well, he's not in the lineup today. Who? Carlson, at least for game one. I really? didn't expect him to be in the lineup yeah. today. Not not yet. Right, right field is Tommy Edmond. He's driving from Springfield. So he's, he's got a carpenter bat. Ba- Carpenter's in third. I think that yeah. he got when he signed. So it's Wong. <laughs> it's Wong at second. Edmond in right. Goldschmidt at first. Miller DH. DeYoung short. Carpenter third. Molina. Tyler O'Neill left. Harrison Bader center. Tyler O'Neill back in left field tonight. Okay. You guys just ruined the lineup game for the fast lane. <laughs> I, they they, they would have seen they're it all the way in the office. They, they would have seen it in 45 minutes. And I love the lineup game. I was amused by that yesterday. They were wrong a record amount of times. It was, it was incredible, especially when meet preface it by this one's all over the place. Six yes, five, exactly. Six, five, seven, eight, zero is the air comfort service text line. I do. I'm always fascinated by how much people want Harrison Bader out of the lineup. We got this one from the 314. Guys, how is Harrison Bader untouchable? Another one. Guys, Bader's ceiling is hitting 250 for three games. And last one, Bader's tearing the cover off the ball with a robust 210 batting average. <laughs> Guys, Harrison Bader is what he is. And the thing the reason why he, he's not untouchable, first of all, but the reason why he continues getting opportunities is because he does everything else at a really high level. He's a really good base runner. He's outstanding defensively. Like everything great that, hair. Great hair and looks fantastic when he's out there. So he is not going to be the first one that is pulled out of the lineup. The defense can keep you in the lineup. If you're, if you're giving that and there's other guys around you that are struggling more than you are and both corner outfield spots have been worse offensively this season when Fowler's been out than Harrison Bader has in center. Well, then he's not going to be the guy that we talk about. If he was the worst one in the outfield in terms of his offensive production, we would be sitting up here saying, well, the offense is struggling. They need a spark. You got to get somebody out there in center field. That hasn't been the case. And so as a result, yeah, we're going to focus more on Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill and Austin Dean and all of the guys that have been rotating through these out these corner outfield spots as opposed to center. Yeah, Look, at, to our listeners and to Cardinals fans who, who are hot under the collar about you know, about Bader and how we, I guess, how we portray him as an automatic in center field. If you're mad about that, why don't you just redirect your anger just a little bit 
over to the other guys who haven't stepped up. Right, because yep. Lane Thomas was a defensive disaster here in the last little while. I mean, he misplayed a couple, a couple of errors, and so he's certainly not going to replace Bader's defense. And his bat wasn't replacing it either, so he's kind of out of the running. Tyler O'Neill's all over the place as far as his production goes. So if you're mad about us talking about Bader as like, oh, he's our center fielder, well, look at the guys who haven't seized the opportunity to push him out. I think that's a better way to look at it. Harrison Bader this year has been an exactly league average hitter. A league average hitter. There are metrics for this. It's called weighted runs created plus. I'm not going to bore you with it, but basically it measures everything. Oh, thank you. And it takes into account what the ballpark <laughs> factors are. He's been a league average player this year at the plate. Yeah, but so, one of our texters here goes, oh, you can't steal first base. Guess what? He did it the other day. <laughs> Like, and I know he, you can't steal first base, but he had a crappy little ground ball and he ran so fast it forced an error and he ended up on third because of getting to second and then stealing third. And he's getting on base 31% of the time. Like, it's not great, but it's fine. It's it's good enough for him because of what he brings defensively and because he is providing a little bit of pop. If you can do that, that's all the Cardinals are asking for. He needs to be a league average hitter. And if he is a league average hitter, which is what he has been so far this season, he's going to be out there each and every day. There's a little bit of news to pass along on Dakota Hudson's injury as well. A little bit of an update on him. I'm not going to overstate this. A little bit of an update on him. Plus, one got to go. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll play a game of one got to go next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. A little bit of news to pass along on the Cardinals. We just mentioned Dylan Carlson is back up in the big leagues. They're calling him up for today. He is not going to be in the starting lineup for the first game, hoping that he will be out there for the second game. That being said, there was also this. This comes from Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He says that the Cardinals are still awaiting a diagnosis on Dakota Hudson. He went through a battery of exams earlier today as planned. He has forearm concerns. The flexor tendon issue is being explored, according to John Mosellock. If I'm not mistaken, that was the same thing that Miles Michaelis had the issue with earlier this season. Um, and he obviously is out for an extended period of time. So. No, God! No, God, please, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about this. <laughs> that sums um, it up. <laughs> fingers crossed that it is it is nothing serious. But as of now, uh, that's as far as we know. Uh, again, flexor tendon issue is being explored. It is a forearm concern, and you never want to hear that with a pitcher, especially a pitcher as good as Dakota Hudson is, as young as Dakota Hudson is, and um, where he's at in their rotation right now. Oof. This comes from Mark Saxon. Uh, John Mosellock has acknowledged that it is unlikely Dakota Hudson pitches again this season. Oh. Man. Wow. Uh, let's get to one got to go coming up in the next segment. Uh, let's let's. I don't even want to go. I I, I got to go home now. I'm sorry. Let's, let's one's got to go. This this news right now. Now I've got to go. Let's continue <laughs> with this for a minute. We'll get to one got to go. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service sex line. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Um, on the other side of this upcoming break, but. If Dakota Hudson is not going to be starting for this team down the stretch, I mean, this is the time for Carlos Martinez. Yeah, but do you feel confident with that? No, but that's what I'm saying is this is his opportunity. I know. He, He has asked for it since the beginning of this season or the beginning of the calendar year 2020 he has wanted to be a starter he has wanted to be counted upon. He has wanted to be one of the guys that they consider a stalwart in that rotation. Now's your chance. 
It's there for it is there for the taking for for Carlos Martinez to be somebody that helps this team get into the playoffs and then potentially is a big frac- factor for them if they get in what they're going to be able to do when they get there. So Carlos Martinez is officially this. on the clock. I don't have a great feeling about it. I mean, I've watched his starts and every start that he's had, I've said he's a bullpen guy. That's where I think he belongs right now. He he struggles to get to the third inning. Yeah. I felt I feel better about it than what I did when he were first returned with Minnesota. I mean, you went from three and two thirds, which granted, it, you know, you're not getting out of the third inning, basically four and runs and three strikeouts. But that next game against Cincinnati, which is a good batting lineup with Cincinnati, it's not the tier of Minnesota, but it's up there. I mean, he gave you four innings, which still isn't great. But he gave up three earned runs and eight strikeouts. And, and those earned runs came because Austin Dean lost the ball in the light. So his problem is pitch count. But I give the benefit of the doubt because we haven't seen Carlos for so long in the rotation. If you can go from four innings, the last start, to five innings tonight. But he gets himself in trouble before he even gets to that fourth inning. That's the but, thing. There's always an excuse. There's always... <laughs> Listen, I am a Carlos Martinez stan. You guys know that. I have talked about how what he did early in his career here in St. Louis was amazing. He was one of the best young pitchers in baseball, and that's why they gave him the contracts that they did. But it seems like every time he starts this season, it's, oh, well, an outfielder dropped it. Oh, well, there was something that happened on the infield, and there was an error, and then that led to everything. Eventually, you got to make the pitches. Eventually, you've got to get the guys out. And Carlos, too often this year, it's been, okay, well, that happened, and then the blow-up occurred. But that you first, can't have that. But that first game against Minnesota, there were no excuses. There was nobody dropping ball. You were just bad. That second game, I mean, you gave up three earned runs, and two of those earned runs were in that inning where Dean dropped the ball, and he gave you eight strikeouts. But do you, t- do you sit there and tell me that you feel comfortable? No, I'm not comfortable. Because I watch him, right? And you guys know we tell text all the time during the game and now I'm that I'm the new baseball fan I'm watching quite a bit of baseball and every time he gets in a bit of a jam every time somebody gets on base I feel him melting down his control starts to get a little bit off and then he pitches himself into trouble and then yes then things happen Austin Dean loses the ball but if he didn't have runners on base to start with in that inning then he wouldn't have been in that situation. What what would your comfortability be if I told you Carlos Martinez is now your number three or your number three is Ponce de Leon? He's your, right he's now? your four. Because you, you've got yeah. Wayne oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, KK. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right now, I'm more comfortable with Ponce. I am. That last start at least gave me some hope, and yeah. I know we not we shouldn't have hope in our in our thought process. If he takes the turn the opposite direction today, then yeah. It's done. Like, the, that's it. The problem is Ponce is on short rest today. So it, it's not even a totally fair critique of him either. He's doing something that is outside of the norm for him well, as right well. Right now, Ponce is still in your rotation because you've lost too many guys. So Yeah, both of them have to be in. I whether mean, Ponce, yeah, exactly. I think that's what, exactly that's a good point is, well, unless you go with a Gomber experiment, which, guess what? Gomber they, or Oviedo are the other options right now. And Both. they haven't really been all that warm and fuzzy yeah, on last, giving Gomber the chance. The last two for Oviedo, and, but the last two for Oviedo and Gomber haven't been, oh, I feel good with these guys in my rotation, too. I felt good when he hit Braun. <laughs> That, that was delightful. That, that would have felt good if anybody hit her on there. <laughs> I actually like what Oviedo's given them this year. He wasn't supposed to be in the big leagues. This was not supposed to be his debut season, but because of everything that has happened, he's had to make starts that they weren't expecting. He also has get, been given zero runs of support. 
When he's been on the mound, the Cardinals have scored exactly zero runs. That is not an exaggeration. They literally haven't scored a run while Johan Oviedo has been on the mound yeah, this season. That's true. So he has never pitched with a lead, and that puts you in a bad spot there. And then you add on the fact that he's not even supposed to be up this year. I think Oviedo is going to be fine. He's just not somebody that you should have had to count on as much as they have this season. I have right now. So if you went into the three-game series, guys, I think Wayno, Flaherty, and KK would be your starters in that three-game series. I think we all agree with that now that Hudson has been ruled out of that mix. Here's what that means, though. If they're going to do this postseason the way that we think that they are, and they've now announced the schedule, Carlos Martinez is probably starting game one of the NLDS if you make it there, um, if they were to advance after those three games. Like, that that's where you're at with the rotation now. Or you save one of those pitchers in your three and hope that two of those three guys can get it and have Carlos in one of your your first your series. wild card series? No, you can't. <sighs> That's a lot. No, not the wild card because the, or is the wild card best the of wild three. Wild card's best of three. Wouldn't you though? If 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 Wayno or Kim well, you just win it in two, then solve all your problems. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If you're confident in Wayno and Kim to win you games. Wouldn't you start Carlos no. and hope that you get through it? You got to get through the not. series. No chance. You, like I said earlier, if you can get that one game lead, that's huge in the two out of three. I'm not starting Carlos for that one. Boy. It might be over by the third inning. Yeah, but then but then you don't have to go game one of the first round with Carlos. Yeah, yeah but, but at you least you more get seven games. Yeah. yeah, you've got the seven games to be able to make it up in yeah. that one if he blows up in game one, and then you've got Wayno and Flaherty and KK coming at right at, right after him, and then maybe Wayno goes on short rest. We know he'll figure it out, right? He'll make it through. Yeah. But I think this is the only way that you can set it up. All of that is obviously getting out in front of our skis a little bit because they've got to get there first, and that... Yeah. To do that, they've got to, you know, win tonight in this doubleheader against the Pirates, which today, has been an man. issue for them. They got to take both today. And I want to clear something up here on the text line. 636 calling me out here. Be honest, Rivers. You only watch baseball because you have to because this is your show. Okay. I'll give you this. Last year, yeah, probably I was doing it just because I felt like I had to. Not this year, man. I am engaged. I'm I'm in on Cardinals baseball. You're the biggest Cardinals fan. We've already, I am. We've already explained that. I like go. I find myself even going to look at dorky stats that BK brings up. <laughs> the expected ratio. Yeah, expected. Yeah. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? But now I'm like, oh, look at this guy's expected hit rate. He sucks. The Cardinals have <laughs> lost four straight games to the Pirates. Four straight against the the, the Pirates. Stop saying it. Hang on. Dump. Yep. They're, they're two and four against the Pirates this season. The rest of the league combined is 32 and 11 when they play the Pirates. Is that bad? 32 and 11 when they play the team that the Cardinals are two and four against. Yeah. Win this doubleheader. Go win both tonight. Let's play two. Let's win two this time around. Let's play a game of one. Got to go. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line for one gotta go from the six three six. I guess you guys don't realize the entire Bucks lineup is listening to your show every time that BK goes on these rants about how the Pirates suck, and then they beat the bleep out of the birds with payback energy. Y'all need to muzzle him when he starts these rants. BK, stop it. Thank you, text line. It's exactly what we talked about earlier. We have to hit the dump button. The problem is it only goes back for five seconds, and he just keeps talking anyways. 
65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for One Gotta Go. One Gotta Go fall alcoholic drinks. Jamie, you might have had one or 12 of these last night. Fall alcoholic drinks. Spiced apple cider, or excuse me, spiked apple cider. Hotty toddy. Pumpkin beer. Or red sangria. Spiked apple cider, hotty toddy, pumpkin beer, or red sangria. One gotta go, Jamie. That might be a water night for me. (laughs) What the hell kind of choices are those? Can all gotta go? Can you give me something I'd like to drink? I'd like to hear BK start this one off because to find out which ones he actually loves. I don't even... What is a hotty toddy? It's... Good lord. Like sex on a beach. It's whiskey? Not even a little bit. What's in it? I don't, I don't know. They make it for me. Can I, I, I had a hottie toddy with no anything except whiskey. No man should walk up to a bar and say, I need a hottie toddy. Hey. No. So f- good story about this. I went down to Ole Miss for the Mizzou versus Ole Miss football games a few years back whenever I was still at Mizzou. And their tailgating is a different kind of experience. I've heard that. Like they have chandeliers under their tents that they'll put up. It's it's wild, man. So you just like walk around and people will be passing out drinks and whatnot. Obviously, this is not the case during a pandemic, but there wasn't a pandemic at that point in time. This is true. I got a couple hotty toddies that day. And let me tell you, it's an enjoyable experience. If I only knew what a hotty toddy is, text line 65780. Anybody know what a hotty toddy is? So you guys are going to just not play along with this I'm not, one? Well, what the heck am I supposed to do with that? I guess if I have to drink something, hotty toddy sounds do like it's like got sangrias. What's a sangria? Is that the red wine? Yeah. The... Yeah, no. And fruit? No. You don't like pumpkin beer? Not at all. I don't like any of these choices, but... All right, Ribs, here's a hotty toddy for you. It's a mixture of usually whiskey, hot water, and honey. Ah, In Canada, maple syrup may be used. Okay, there we go. Now Now you're in. I'll go with a Canadian hotty toddy. Okay. So, I don't know. One's got to go. get rid of the rest of them. (laughs) Whatever. I don't even care. Just put the others on a boat. One-way trip. I don't like any of them, but get rid of the pumpkin beer because that's the nastiest of the bunch. Yeah, that apple cider sounds disgusting, too. Have you ever had apple cider? Not on purpose. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's disgusting. Apple cider's good. No, No, it isn't. No, it's not. I like apple cider. Look, Mike Ryder loves it. Is this an unpopular opinion? Mike Ryder doesn't like apple cider. No, he does, which is why I'm not going to drink this at all. Oh, my God. That explains a lot. Come on, guys. <laughs> Move on. One's got to go. Apple BK's picking, awful. One got to go. Picks. Apple picking is a big thing here in St. Louis. I love and apple picking. Well, part of apple, apple picking is you Why do something with the apples and apple pie. Getting apple cider. Apple pie. Apple pie is overrated. Six, oh five, seven, eight, zero is the air comfort service text line for one's got to go. cider. This Jeez. one's right up Ferrario's alley. I'll let him go first. Whoa. One got to go pest edition. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Mosquitoes. Flies, roaches, or spiders? Oh. Mosquitoes, flies, roaches, or spiders? One's got to go. This is an easy one. This is, uh, no, this is not an easy it's one. It's easy. No, because um, mosquitoes suck to control. Spiders are simple. Flies are simple. Roaches mean you're disgusting. But I got to get rid of the roaches because I've seen those puppies, and when they're falling from the ceiling, and when, they're, like, when they get into your house, good luck getting them out of your house. Because they they lay eggs more than Jamie Downs bottles. Hmm. Like, just nonstop. And when they're falling out of the ceiling, man, that sucks. So I'm going to get rid of the cockroaches. They, they're the worst. I'm keeping them around. I don't care. They want to oh, hang yeah. out. They want to crush beers with me. Hey, pull up a buddy. Go lay 100 eggs. Come on back in an hour. 
Honestly, I'm less annoyed by cockroaches. Yeah, they're gross, okay, obviously. One, they're hard to get rid of, right? They they survive like nuclear war, apparently. Yeah, like so, Twinkies. Anyway, so I'm getting rid of the mosquitoes, guys. Mm. Think about that. Like the roaches, to my knowledge, now spiders can bite you, but most of the time they're just going to run away. They don't want to, they don't actually purposely want to come after you. The mosquitoes do, and they've evolved, guys. They've evolved. <laughs> Listen, mosquitoes back in my day used to <laughs> land on you, hang out for a bit, and kind of clean the plate off a little bit, and then bite you. Mosquitoes now, they're trained assassins. As they're landing, they're coming in beak first, pow, and they got you. They're only like four months, though. You get eight months of no mosquitoes. What you? We're not. That's not what we're doing here. Well, I'm just going off of the uh, the logical opinion now, here. There's no logic on this show ever, so that's your it's first true. mistake. BK said he hates pump or apple pie and pumpkin pie. I didn't yeah. say I hate apple pie. I said it's a little and overrated. He said he didn't Six like five seven eight zero. Remember that? And Frank Gore's not a Hall of Famer. That I did say. I did not say that Albert Pujols is not a Hall of Famer. He said he sucks. Didn't he say Wheaties was better than Melinda 2 yesterday? He did actually say yeah. that. I say he's a better option. God, BK, what is this, man? I'm done with both of you. I'm so done. <laughs> hey, it's another unpopular opinion. I- unpopular opinions. Everyone has one. Unpopular opinions with Ribs and BK. Not Ribs. Just BK. Just BK. <laughs> well, that, should, that should actually just be the open, like the rejoin <laughs> that we do coming into every segment. You just have that play as like a disclaimer beforehand. Uh, 65780 is the air covered service X line. Did I get, did I tell you guys about uh, my experience with a cockroach at the Airbnb Ooh. that I was staying at in California? No, but it sounds fun. So we wake up and this was the first morning that I had arrived out in uh, out in California. Whenever I went there for my buddy's wedding a couple of weeks ago, one of the guys wakes up, he goes to the bathroom, he looks over to his left and oh, that's a cockroach in the bath takes a picture sends it to the owner of the airbnb he's like i'm not asking for anything but you know i feel like this could be a problem for them if it gets to be a bigger issue down the road right she apparently i'm guessing had had this issue before because she had everything ready she was like a care package will be sent to you by the end of the day it was all there was like lavender in it there was bleach all this different stuff i was like what is going on here she also sent us a hundred dollars so brunch was on her the next day what was wrong with the cockroach? He's in the tub. Was yeah. he taking a bath? Ribs is chilling. Ribs would just like him to lay some eggs with him. Just Six, hang out. Not hey, with can him. I get you something? Careful. Buy him. 65780 is the air Buy comfort him. service text what? line for one got to go. <laughs> <laughs> one got to go. Four different options here. One, your phone, streaming platforms, the internet, or hot showers. Your phone, streaming platforms. So we're thinking like Spotify, podcasts. The internet or hot showers? Which one's got to go? Jamie. I get rid of the streaming. But how can you do that? Like, if you're getting rid of the streaming, if you get rid of the internet, you get rid of it all, don't you? So Almost. Was, yeah. Well, you can still have your phone, so you've yeah. got the cellular data that you can use. Yeah. And you can I, have the internet without streaming. You can stream on your phone. Right. So, so you can watch Netflix on your ta- phone still. Someone's yeah. taking a logical approach here. Yeah, so the streaming, uh, th- that can go. I'm like now I've gone a long period of time without hot showers. Like when I played in Russia, <laughs> hot water was a premium and the apartment, the apartment, the dungeon I lived in, <laughs> well, one you couldn't even brush your teeth with the water, like you had to use bottled water. Was it like black water when it, it came out? It's like your your teeth fall out instantly. Uh, and you could take That's a, a shower, but you weren't supposed to get it on your face, which was interesting cuz you're trying to I don't know, take a shower and Never clean on up. The face. But uh, yeah, anyways, long story short, um, we're going to get rid of the uh, streaming systems. I think I'd get rid of the internet. What? Yeah. 
You work in radio for a living, dude. Yeah, but I, you get the you get it on the phone. Listen, I've seen your history on your internet. You're not <laughs> getting rid of internet. Uh, <laughs> God, that came to you so easily. Jamie, can, I dump, can I dump that? <laughs> Jamie is absolutely correct on this. If that's what it, you were doing. I said dump that, not dump on that. Okay. The correct answer here is the streaming platforms. I could go without Netflix and Hulu and Spotify and all that if I had to. Now, I would prefer not to have but to But you got that. them on your phone, BK. Yeah, but once you get rid of it, it's gone, right? Oh, okay. There's no, no matter loopholes what. here, Rivs. Well, you get cable. If I don't have my phone, first of all, I'm going to get fired because what we do with our Ooh, job. Like, is, that yeah. it is that how it is? Oh, man. <laughs> no, right. Okay. Rivs, distract them. No, distract them. Yeah, okay. Don't you have to go to the bathroom, BK? Distract them. Careful with that. Careful with asking to be fired right around now. In, in this industry. Ask. In this industry, be I, careful with that. I Jamie. didn't ask for that. You <laughs> not asking. You I just, would get fired if I didn't have my phone. You gave us the path. I said, hey, can I see your phone, please? <laughs> Let's cross things over with the fast lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We are riding straight into the weekend. Jamie already got himself started last night. Yeah, giddy up. Four bottles of wine, a bottle Four of bottles? vodka. There was Who'd a vo- you share with? There was wine. There was vodka involved. I did not share with anybody. Cussing out little kids on it's Call fantastic. of Duty. I actually, actually, I had a dad moment last night. You will understand this. Kids are still young, but you'll get there. Yeah, okay. What'd you do? Um, had a couple too many. Been there. Yeah. No, no big issue yet. Right. Uh-huh. I thought it'd be really funny to go up and usually my boys on a Thursday night, they're like Friday's a burn day for them. They're like, ah, we don't care for half asleep. It's cool. Usually they're playing their video games. Okay. They play a little call of duty. They get on, they get on with their buddies and they chirp each other back and forth. Well, I thought I was going upstairs to do that. I'm like, dad's going to get in on this. I'm still cool. Of course right? you are. Yeah. Well, they were asleep. What do you mean? They were asleep. Wake them up. Oh, no. Better. <laughs> Better. Oh, we fired up that video game. <laughs> I did. You just I started played. playing? Yeah. Like in their room? In their like room. like a foyer or something? What's the setup? No, it, it, it's... Got the bed. They've got two TVs. What wing Imagine of the house that. They is got this? Two TVs. What? What wing of the house are we in? This is the uh, would be the the foyer south south wing. wing. Okay. South wing. And so I just fired it up. I t- I did have the volume down on the main screen, but I had the headset on. So those you are could, great. You talk. Why well, start playing on their username? Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know that, like, there's a ranking, there's, like, a kill ratio, all the geeky stats. All the geeky stuff that BK likes to talk to, like, expected kill rate, <laughs> yeah. things like that. It's <laughs> the, the analytics of Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I start chirping kids, too, probably, like, some seven-year-old uh-huh. in, like, India. I was chirping him. And finally, my one boy woke up, and he was in a panic. He's like, you're not using my guy, are you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, you just shot your own teammate. I go, well, he should have hidden better. Look at him. Look at his right in front of me. Yeah, they didn't appreciate it. Today, they were still kind of sour about it, but I thought I it was fun. That. 
I love that so much. And by the way, the the fact that uh, I also dig the fact that some kids were likely getting worn out by a former blue. Like, yes. like you hear them on the radio, you see them on TV, and they have no idea the things that you were saying to them. So we used to play. We used to have a, a big group that we'd play on the road, and we'd play Halo. We started out playing Halo uh, with the Cardinals, and then we played like Call of Duty. But then it would it would go into the off seasons as well. Like that's how everybody stayed communicated. You get in your big group, <laughs> yeah. and you'd ha- you'd be linking up. Everybody have their headphones on, and then you just play against people all over the world. And I won't say who it was, but we have one guy on our team who was a prolific smack talker. (laughs) And it didn't matter if it was to me, uh, a teammate and friend, or if it was to Johnny the seven-year-old who ended up talking a little too much smack in Alabama. He was letting you have it a little bit. And it's just so amazing to to think, like, that— Who's that guy? We've seen him in our big game. Like he's, he's now awesome. Yeah. <laughs> or a position player. Yeah. Never know. Number 48. <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. Jamie needs to start his own login. That's superstar NHL defenseman Jamie yeah, Rivers. Yeah, what's your name? Is I, logged I don't in. even know. Listen, I was so drunk, I didn't know what the heck was going on. But it would, It's would hard be, to play that game drunk, yeah, too, That's what I'm saying. Well, the, but first of all, the way you move that thing around, I guarantee they were looking at that. Go, this guy's a wild card. <laughs> don't get in his way right now. You were doing the circle in the middle yeah, and just firing <laughs> running into the wall and shooting at it at one point i asked my son how much ammo do i have because i'm like i'm empty in this sucker was he asleep when you asked him that question no he was awake at this oh, point okay. he was trying to actually pry well, the video Jamie game was in the room I, mean, my I just thought that his kids were sleeping he's like hey hoss how do i shoot this thing it was hoss too oh yeah, i it figured it was hoss i almost um, had a big BT, bear wrestling need, match too we need a ruling from our last segment from you okay i can do that Hot toddy. Ugh. Isn't it a hottie toddy? It's it hot is. toddy. I, I said it wrong. Oh, it's like the oh, water and the whiskey and honey, right? Good yeah. or not good? Hey, Alex, you got if something you, wrong? If you're sick, Charter. it's fine. Unpopular opinion. It's, the whiskey's always good for you. Um, yeah, if you're sick, it's fine. Secondarily, <laughs> apple cider. No, you said spiked yeah, apple cider. Yeah, you said spiked cider. apple, apple cider. cider whatever. Apple cider, now. spiked apple cider, however you like so it. Are, oh, there's more than that. Hang on, BK. He's being half Is he right that good? Oh, and he erased it. Oh. He erased it. Is he too. riding the fence? Are we talking no, about? I'm asking. Are we talking about like the ciders that come in like in a bottle, like where you drink like the hard Good ciders? cider? Yeah, you totally. Or are we talking about like real cider, real with, like, apple alcohol? cider that you add some liquor? Oh, that's into. okay in the holiday season or something too. And that's like your Jamie's. pumpkin pie take, where I only or it's terrible okay, if you have not to have one tonight. I hear that. Here's the thing, BT. Are you actually picking it out? Well, I'm not actively going to get it. No. If it's there, like if I'm at a party, and they're like, hey, you want some of this uh, this hard apple cider or whatever? I'm like, yeah, what the hell? You know, it's a. Uh, but you have like, let's say you had a Christmas. Budweiser over I'm here. Drink that. Exactly. But so, I, I might sip on that one just to be kind. But I'll drink it just like, to be uh, kind. Honestly, if there's alcohol in it, I'm probably in. I don't know. It might be <laughs> a water night for me if you give me that option. Look at me in the face and tell me it's going to be a water. I said, I said you're full, you know what? Just hydrate tonight. Yeah, right. We did a one got to go, spiked apple cider, hot toddy, pumpkin beer, or red sangria. And he said, I'm drinking water. I said, he's full of it. I, you know, I would have a hard time with which one has to go. I'd be fine with most of those going. It was all got to go. No, I do like sangria. Sangria is good. I, I drink a ton of red wine. So, sangria is fine. I'm fine that's with right. that. I know. <laughs> I know. We have the pictures to show it, Ribs. Yeah, that's a good and point. And a decent pumpkin beer can be okay, too. Ugh. It's all right. It's not on favorite. that, but Ugh. it's all right. But BK, that what BT said about on. apple cider is the same thing as your pumpkin pie take. It's not good if you only drink it at one time of the year. Oh, that's right. You make a good point. Oh! There. God, I... 
That's how you go into a Friday. Tinfoil totally a, redeems himself. You make a really good point. How you there. go into Friday? BT, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane, man? Yeah, we got all kinds of good stuff. We're going to talk about. Uh, we'll, we'll get the latest on Dakota Hudson. We'll talk about Dylan Carlson being back up. We got the professor John Clayton a little bit uh, later, and we also have at three fifteen. We got Barrett Jackman. We're going to break ah, down some. Uh, nice. What do you want us to talk to Jax about? What would be a good. Uh, Good in with Jax. Huh, Jax. Uh, you know what? Ask Text him. Me. No, no. Ask him this. This is a good one because his old house where he had it in Central West End, he had a garage built off the house. Uh-huh. And above it, he had what he called the dog house, which was like you walk into a dive bar in town, like a really nice dive bar. That's basically what he had. And he called his dog house. He's building a new house out in another area. And I'm curious to find out if he's building another dog house. house. All right. Well, you'll hear that at 3.50. (laughs) Fantastic. Perfect. Looking forward to it. That's coming up from 2 to 6. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We will be back on Monday at 11. Talk to you then, St. Louis. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Splash Weather Repel Premium Windshield Wash features a 3-in-1 formula that repels rain, sleet, snow, and bugs while leaving a streak-free shine. It keeps you seeing safely all year long. Pick up some at Walmart today. See safely on the roadway.